Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's me, Chance Nichols. Uh, we're here uh, live from my house. Uh, once again, we no longer do intros, uh, but I will be introducing uh, my guest today, Bethany Michaels. Bethany, how are you? I'm doing so fucking good, dude. <laughs> oh, I meant to ask. Can I swear? Are you like... No. Oh, Please don't. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. <laughs> the second uh, word I say. Yeah, no, we don't have any sponsors anymore, so we can we can awesome. cuss all we want. Great, uh, great. Please come back, uh, Rocket Money. Anyway, Rocket uh, Money, Rocket Money. I think I'm gonna send. I'm just gonna send them that audio yeah. with a photo of a gun. Yes. <laughs> and maybe they'll maybe they'll come crawling back. Uh, how are you? How are things? Good. I just yeah. got back from Utah. Yes, you were back in the motherland because you were from Utah, which this is interesting because I have been to almost every state in my travels and uh, Alaska and Hawaii are the two, the the, the classic two that I haven't been to yet. And uh, Utah, I was just listening to somebody talk about Utah and how, because I guess did the Mormon church just get popped for like a ton of like crazy accounting business oh, yeah. where it's like oh my god like some like a whistleblower came yes. forward do, do you know about this yes only a little bit because mm-hmm. now that i've moved away i don't my news isn't run by the mormons <laughs> right. so yeah, i yeah. get a good variety of different news which is exciting okay. uh, but yeah they had a whistleblower that was like no one really understands the magnitude that the church has of stocks and things and Mm -hmm. money that is not being taxed because it's a church it's a church yeah and it and it's not being reinvested into communities like they're supposed to be doing and Mm -hmm. every mormon pays their tithing and oh yeah and (laughs) do you know how much missions cost like to go on a mission i imagine i don't i really don't they pay out of pocket my friend who went to fucking kentucky uh-huh. it was thirty thousand dollars just for kentucky yes you could buy a house in kentucky for yes dollars. what the fuck okay yeah. and i had friends when i was in high school that they were about to go on their mission and they had two siblings actively on missions so yeah. their family was paying for three people and they were international too yeah and that goes into the hundreds of thousands so by paying does that mean they pay the church and yes. then the church provides the services like like an in-house like sort of like they they book the travel yes. they set up the living situation okay they also have like a food and living stipend weekly <sighs> and monthly I, I always see mormon missionaries at this chipotle near my house oh. they're always at this chipotle and they're always just looking real disheveled because yes. this part of town has no use for mormonism <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> you want to hear the saddest thing they send people to utah yes they send missionaries to utah and it's 65 percent mormon you're done you did it like we we can move on from this one yes <laughs> it's the saddest thing when someone because you everyone does like big parties when they're opening their mission call sure and so then people are like oh nicaragua and like other colonization places that they go. Oh, that's terrible. Who's this? Who's this? Oh, it's Ricky. Oh, Ricky. He brought beer, too. Oh, wow. Ricky, this is Bethany. Hi, Ricky. Nice to meet you. Um, yeah, so, uh, and then there's those sad kids that can't go too far from home. They're like, Provo, Utah. So do they get to choose now? 
like do some people get to choose or is no. it okay it's it's a higher calling the <laughs> it comes from god right you said that was such conviction no it's a higher calling. yeah yeah no 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 they don't get to choose and yeah and it's so crazy because there's like this underlying uh current of like return with honor mm. and they're they're basically going into prison like no cell phones you can't have social media really? and i have had people i went to school with who did it on the low mm-hmm. and were like hooking up with girls on their mission which is a huge what? no-no yeah, and clear. then they got found out yeah and returned with no honor oh because <laughs> they get sent home from their mission yeah they're like Spartans. They yeah. have to come home with their shield or on it. Yes, <laughs> like that's yes exactly. <laughs> that's insane. Mormons are wild. Like I could talk about them forever. I'm not Mormon, but I've right. been immersed in it. Yeah. Like we would pray in school. Re- in public school? Yes. I went to public school. I, and yeah. you've mentioned you went to like private Christian schools, right? I went to private Christian school until f- uh, the end of first grade. Oh, okay. So second so grade on, long. I did public school. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Yeah. In Missouri, did you have to... Pray we so obviously so like with the private Christian school, it was prayer every day, at least once or twice a day, and then we also had chapel on Wednesdays where we'd have to dress oh. nice and go and sit in like the synagogue because the school was attached to a church. So it was like yeah. this wing of the building is the classrooms with the school. This wing of the building is the church that is actually a church Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, all that stuff. So we would have wow. to go into the synagogue as they called it, which is just the sanctuary. Or or the, the worship place. Which is weird because synagogue is Jewish usually. Yeah? I think so, yeah. Which is, it, this was a type of Christianity that I was a part of that was, um, it was like old school non denominational. No, so no it, rock band. Right. The, the, at this school, it wasn't. At this school, it was kind of everything mixed together, but in like a kind of traditional. Mm-hmm. Like with a traditional like bent to everything, uh, so yes, no rock band, none of that. Boy. But then, as a poet, would then I would go to because I didn't go to church at my school. I went to a different church than the one that was at my school. So what? which was a much they let more you modern. Do that? Oh yeah, well because it was like. <clears throat> the church was kind of, I don't know, it was kind of lame. Like, the church oh. that we went to was kind of cool, and, like, uh. my family had been going to it since its inception, so, like, oh, we, we we loved... Uh, so, the school that I went to was called Abundant Life Christian Academy, yeah, and then the church like... I went to was Hope Community Church, and, oh. yes, so we... And never the two shall meet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but... You either get abundance, or you get hope. Exactly. Not both. And stay the fuck away. Yeah. And I, man, I was a alien at that i was born to go to public school i love that i love that you you were meant to torture public school teachers and (laughs) well what i ended up doing was i didn't take kindly to bullying (gasps) and the thing good for you i got in trouble almost suspended Mm -hmm. for bully out bullying the bully yes and you too that yeah oh i'd love to hear and that's the problem is people (laughs) it's only the it's the last person to throw the stone that gets caught yeah. And so it's like I didn't start it, I just finished it. But Exactly same. It was so like this private Christian school that you had to pay to go to and my like family pooled their resources Aww. to be able to afford for me to go cuz we didn't we weren't like rolling in it. Um but some of the kids families were rolling in it. Some w- were the children of people who worked at the school so they got mm. to go for free. Nepotism. Yes, exactly. And we had a bu- our bully was this kid named Marshall and he <sighs> was which this is the other fucked up thing. Uh, they had it was one of those schools where they they had such 
few classrooms they had to double up like so it's like when I was in first grade it was first grade and second grade in the same classroom and it's like the teacher would teach the first grade lesson and then go to teach the second grade lesson while the first graders worked on what they just like and flip flop it so Marshall was a second grader in my class and he was just a dick to everybody. But I was basically the same size in first grade. Hell yeah. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> I just picture you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, since eighth grade. I've, with I've, a beard. I've looked like this since the eighth grade, essentially. With the beard. It, with the beard. Yeah. I love it. And uh, which back until I got into like halfway through college, my facial hair was just a goatee. Ooh. I would just, I would do just a goatee because the sides didn't, wouldn't grow in as thick. Cute. And no, not at all. I looked like a plumber. <laughs> and so that's why <laughs> I was. Or a porn star exactly. off duty. <laughs> that's why I was basically completely clean shaven until oh. I started wearing a facial, uh, a beard almost full time as uh, a pandemic thing. Really? Yeah. Older photos of me, you'll it see. It suits you just, so well. Well, thank you very much. I do, I do enjoy it. It frames the face it well. It really does. Um. It's, it's man makeup, I think. <laughs> yes. People have said that before. And I completely agree. Uh, but all that to say, I would just like sneakily do shit to Marshall where, but yeah. it was like not so sneaky. Like he would be wa- one time he was walking by the swing set while I was swinging on it. And I launched myself off the swing Into and kicked him with yeah. both feet <laughs> yeah. like midair. It was like, how could this have happened? He just walked right in front of me, officer. And just shit like that. Uh, so you Wait, out bully are you the bully? the oldest or the youngest? I'm or? the oldest. Yeah. By 10 so, years. <laughs> so you know how to like manipulate the situation so it looks like. A little bit, yeah. Like I did, I was just here and he he walked in front of me. He wasn't paying attention. How could this have happened? I Even though you launched from the top point of the, mm-hmm. the swing. And aimed. And <laughs> aimed. I flew and, somehow. And you didn't say heads up or anything. You just quietly like a, yeah, bomb. Yep. Right into him. What did you do to your bully? Uh, So this is like my Avenger story. Literally was named the Avenger after this event. Wow. Because I uh, am five and seven years older than my sisters. So there was a period where me and my sister Quinn were in elementary school together. Mm -hmm. But I was sixth grade. She was first grade. Okay. And she was always like a big kid, like big, muscly, tall, and but still a little girl. Yeah, yeah. First grade is like six, seven, you know, Right. Yeah. Um, but a kid in my grade told her during lunch, you need to go on a diet Oof. here. You should take my vegetables. You need to eat more of them. <sighs> and I just know I noticed her like not eating her lunch. So uh-huh. I went over like, Quinn, what's up? Yeah. And she's like, Scott told me this, you know, like and I was immediately upset. But, uh, you know. Finish your food. I'll handle it. Yeah. So after lunch, I went to him. I was like, hey, did you say this to my sister? Uh-huh. He immediately starts freaking out, calling <laughs> me names, all these oh, things. No. And do you remember lunch trays being like hard and plastic? Yes. Yeah. I blacked out. I hit him in the <gasps> face. Oh, my God. And when I was going in for the second swing, the counselor... Came, swooped in, swooped and in. Did, oh my god yeah but then it was like hours she kept me hours out of class trying to say you have to apologize to him yeah and i was like, like no way nothing doing. i did my job as an older sibling i was taking care of her and she's like this is the bully triangle oh my your god. sister is the victim scott is the bully and you're the avenger and if you always come in and avenge her battles she'll never learn to stand up for herself and I was like, he's five years older than her. Yeah. 
That's insane that a sixth grader would have the gall to go up to a first grader and be like, hey, kid, let me tell you something. Yeah. And so, but here, so he never got in trouble. Mm. I didn't get in trouble because I refused to apologize and whatever. They couldn't do anything. Yeah. So me and my friends were like, okay, well, sticks and stones can break your bones, right, Scott? And we used to go to his house and throw rocks at his house and call for him. (laughs) What the fuck? We You're thought, like a mafia. Yes, we were. <laughs> he lived in the same neighborhood as one of my best friends, and uh-huh. we would go, Scotty, come out, Scotty. Oh and like God. menaces, just yeah. to, like all of us, like probably six or seven of us, just throwing rocks. Wow. And his mom would be like, Leave my son alone. Because <laughs> she was like Scottish. She was like, What? He didn't do anything wrong. His and name was Scott. And yes, and, we, and we're like, Scottish. This is hilarious. Your name's yeah. Scotty. Your mom's Scottish. You little piece of shit, come out here so I can throw these rocks at you. My son doesn't deserve this. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a. Uh, well, hey, I mean, and now that yeah. guy's probably like in some alt right, like, woman killer. Oh, movie yeah. Because of, it. because of me. Because <laughs> I, I was like, yeah. He had, he had teams of, of teenage people coming yeah. to his house and banging on with pots and pans. Yeah, and that's what happens when your parents work full time, you have no supervision. Yep. And nothing better to do. You're just roaming the streets of Utah. What part of Utah? What town? Ogden. It's a little ski town up north. It's getting pretty big. Like, all the Californians are moving there and Mm. making it expensive. Mm. And, but I love it. I used to hate it when I lived there. My whole life, I was like, fuck this town. Fuck these people. I'm going to move as soon as I can. I was going to go to university internationally because i was like i fucking hate this place wow. so much okay and then i was like whoa that's expensive yeah, that's, <laughs> that's an added uh, a ripple to this yeah whole thing. oh damn i wow. didn't realize i needed money to leave mm-hmm. you could have don't mormons get into byu for free they do uh yeah. but you have to have a letter from your bishop okay and well. you also have to go to mormon service oh well, yeah. I, well, we can't have that. I won't. That's I know. I used to think if I touched the Book of Mormon, I would catch on fire, or it would. What? Like I was convinced from that's... the time I was a kid. So <laughs> I would have friends that were like here, and I'm like, no, nope, nope, no, no. That's not a part it's of me. It's bad for you and me if we <laughs> do got, this. That's got nothing to do with me. Yeah, yeah. That's uh. Well, we had a lot of Mormons because I'm from being from Missouri. That's where they thought that the Garden of Eden was. That's where they like originated, right? Yeah, that's yeah. where he, f- the white salamander, led him to the gold I be- tablets. I believe so. Yeah, or somewhere nearby. Or it was some of the, yeah Joseph Smith. I don't know if he was in Missouri or if he was because then they because they definitely migrated Cause they to got Utah. Kicked out of every town. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know about Mormons just because. Well, there would also be at every hotel there would be a Book of Mormon oh. as well as a Bible, like in Missouri, in like at, in a certain like in Middle Missouri, like Whoa. where like universe like Mizzou and stuff is. Yeah. You'd find a Book of Mormon in the hotel. Like I thought thing. Utah was the only place that would do that. Nope. And we always read it, and we all none of us caught on fire, and we thought it was the weirdest shit we'd ever read. Which we, the only reason I know. I know a lot about Mormons from the musical, from the Book of Mormon musical, because I was you love obsessed it. with that. Because you I would love... be a great lead. Well, I, well, I auditioned for uh, Cunningham for yeah. the Australian tour. They oh came my through God, Kansas City and did uh, auditions. It was just an open call audition that you could submit for and then either get accepted or denied. I sent in my shit. I was a junior in college. Amazing. And I 
go up to Kansas City. They give me my time slot. I go up there and I do the audition, which I was like, I had already gotten to a point where I was like, I really don't buy into like this like crazy like oh like uh, the awe of like the theater director oh. and the company and the and and the capital t and 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 the work and the yeah. like i was already just on the path to like pure silliness i love that so i went in i was doing like cartwheels uh, during the song like i was flopping all over the place yeah. i like like threw myself on the ground they didn't like it the opposite they loved it of course and that was the problem was because Uh-oh. so i'm doing the audition I sing it's like the first like half of man up mm-hmm. and then I do like a scene where it's like hit them meeting at the airport where I'm like oh my god my mission brother yeah and, uh, <laughs> perfect we, we do the whole thing and then the, you do like an interview with the casting team afterwards oh. and where they're asking all these questions and they're like looking over my resume they're all smiles like oh yeah yeah oh and then we love and then they were like looking at my resume and they're like so what year did you uh, graduate Missouri State and I oh, was like, no. "Oh no, I'm still there." I'm a, I, and they're like, "Are you graduating in the fall?" And I was like, "No, I'm or in the in the spring." I was like, "No, I'm a junior." Oh, and they're no. like, "Oh, okay, awesome, yeah." And then it just kind of like trailed off from there because you couldn't go. Come to find out, yes, the Book of Mormon casting team actually has like kind of a standing agreement with like college theater programs where they don't cast current college students oh shit because i think i guess when they first started like expanding the show to like tours and stuff they would just go to the top programs and be like who are your two best like white guys and they're like these two and they said leave school with us right come make 180 grand a year touring the world doing this and And then the theater company's losing out on that yeah so uh so that was that but a guy i do know uh ended up getting cast from that as the uh general but fucking naked and he did that in australia for like three years i think and now he lives in new york and did a broadway show so it all works out in the end you know i think when i hear stories like that and especially when it's my friends who came so close Mm -hmm. to a moment where you're like oh i could have been there Mm -hmm. uh that's just a sign from the universe that like you're heading the right direction. Here's like this one is not yours, but there's something for you down the line. <laughs> there's that's another better and bigger, and and you just got to keep going and the right because it's all like opportunity and chance. Okay, all right. Uh, well, we're gonna go cut to a break now. We're gonna find a different. <laughs> we're gonna find a different guest. <laughs> no, I, I I see what you mean. And the funniest thing is like. In 2020, whenever when the war, when the sky fell and the yeah. world ended, I was actually so they were coming through. Book of Mormon was uh, doing auditions in Chicago, Ooh. and I had not even thought about like the, doing musicals, right. any of that stuff for a long time. Yeah. And Troy Bolton through, put his theater hat back. That's right. Yeah. And just through like Second City and all these other things, I heard about these auditions, and I was like. I care even less about what these people think of me Mm. now. What if I just sign up and I go do the audition? But I had this whole plan where I was going to go to the audition and I was going to have this big, like, a a tray of, like, potato salad with me. And I was going to be eating the entire time throughout the whole audition, like, singing through bites of potato salad. Oh, my God, yes. So uh, memorable. Exactly. And I was like, you know what? This could work. And then the audition got canceled because everything uh, closed down, like, the the week before it was scheduled to happen, which, you know. 
all things considered, I'm kind of glad because I don't think I would have gotten it. And I think I may have been thrown out or escorted by the police, which could have been a fun story. Fun story. And you might have been sick. Maybe maybe that's what it was. Maybe you're going to die from eating all that potato salad. I don't think there's a limit to how much potato salad I can consume. No, Is that Missouri born and bred? It's up there. Well, I was always a mashed potatoes person. That was my favorite preparation of a a potato was was in the mashed variety. I love a fry. Like home fries Uh or any of that. Amazing. Yeah. But mashed, you just have to put more effort into that. It's true. It's true. I was never making it, so that's... Oh, yes. Yeah, I was always grandma doing that. Oh, lucky. <laughs> I know. I My grandma was like a rice person. She would always make oh. me buttered rice and broccoli. Oh. But I loved it. It was so yeah. simple. It tasted good. I was like, Interesting. wow. She loves me. But my grandma like half raised all of me and my sisters as mm-hmm. a third parent. Yeah. So she cooked breakfast every morning before school. So we were spoiled rotten. Yes. Every Wednesday was blueberry muffins. Oh, that's fun. I had a similar situation where my grandparents helped like sort of uh, raise me as well. Yeah. And uh, my grandma cooked every for everything. But the one like exception was on Wednesday nights before church, we would go to Golden Corral. No. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big deal. But like, you loved it. I love to this day. I love a good corral. No, they're amazing. You walk in and it's just no. a mall of food in front of you. I think Golden Corrals are like the pinnacle of America. Yes, everything about it: excess, yeah. fast, dirty. That's right. Shove your face and your hands in that mac and cheese, mm-hmm. and the chocolate fountain. That oh. was that was that was my my I, uh, God. That was my entire childhood was dreaming about the next week's trip to Golden Corral. I I'm surprised you got to go so regularly. It was a, like very special occasion for the Greek side of my family. Mm-hmm. Like ethnic people love a buffet, mm-hmm. and we didn't have as many Golden Corrals. We had Chuckaramas. Same. Okay. It's more buffet style rather because Golden Corral is like always around. Around? Right? How do you mean around? Like, like the way the buffet is built? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's like and, an island that you walk around. But Chuckarama's individual pockets of. Oh, little stations. Yeah. Like, there's the Italian end. Yes, here's yeah. the Japanese end. Okay. Like, here's fruit. Here's your meat. Here's yeah. your pasta. That kind yeah. of thing. That's the only. Buffet like that that I really entertain or enjoy is a Golden Corral. Why? Just sentimental? Or? I guess sentimental. And they also just like the the variety of things is like exactly what I'm looking for. Oh. They don't try to do too much. and But what they do, they do well uh, for what it is. Um what I uh, what about kids though? Kids have access to touch the food. Yeah, that's fine. It's all no. it's, it's warm. It's the, the the heat lamps burn off all the germs. I can't. No. <laughs> you go for the stuff in the back. You go for the back <laughs> of the pan. But oh, I see. I see. We uh, uh, the flip side of that. Uh, something that I miss more than anything living out here in L.A. is a good Asian buffet. That's what I was just thinking. That yeah. is my number one buffet. Yeah, is an Asian buffet because they're always fresh. Mm-hmm. They're always. I don't know. Delicious. Yeah, it's perfect. You can get uh, like I there's no there's no no one telling no. me how many egg rolls to, right. to put on there. There's no one telling me. There's always ice cream. There's always an ice there, cream machine. <laughs> it's, there, it's great. Yes. Oh, there's one back home in Utah that opened and they have a Mongolian grill inside. Ooh. So on top yeah. of the beautiful Asian buffet, 
then you got your own Mongolian grill. That's perfect. So the route is go start your Mongolian grill. They'll cook it for you. Mm-hmm. You get your couple plates of all the other stuff you yep. want. Even sushi there. Wow. I bet, I bet it's the highest quality sushi it anyone's ever had. It is all California rolls. It's uh-huh. basically Ralph's. <laughs> Ralph's sushi. Yeah. You ever eat that? I have not. I'm not a sushi person. Oh, I see, I see. I kind of tried to get into it a little bit um, when I was living in Chicago. I would pick up because the... Mm. Uh, there was uh, the Walgreens right off the train stop where I lived on my way to my house. They, oh, they, what color line were you? The red. I was at the Sheridan we, Red Line. Dude, we were so close. Really? That's All funny. the time. It's so weird how we never ran into each other. I know. It is interesting. I, like, I do want to get into that part of your life. Yeah, Chicago I was in the red and point. purple always by mm-hmm. the red and purple. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, speaking of food and beverage, you brought oh, these yes. beers here that I want to crack into. Yeah, let's do it. They're called they're Matador Reds from San Fernando Valley Brewing. Eight eight. And I've never had this before, but you have you bought these. Do you want to explain why you, yes. you brought them? I'm a fan of the podcast. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, friend. I've never done that. This is the first time yes. that this has happened. Ooh. Mm, that's good. It is good. It's very smooth. A little malty aftertaste. Yeah. You know, I was worried because I was just going off label. Because <laughs> it's uh, got like a, 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 a Japanese samurai? warrior, a samurai of sorts on it. Yeah. Yeah. And it made me think of when you talked about how you love Dragon Ball Z and Jeff being the adult in your life that introduced that to you. And Jog, for me, Samurai Jack. Mm-hmm. That was my first anime on Toonami yep. that I was like, this is so fucking cool. It is so cool. And I love that you love Samurai Jack yes. because that was something that I loved that show as a boy so much. So much. My fav- one of my favorite episodes, maybe of TV ever, it's definitely in my top 10, is this first Scotsman episode. Oh my God. Where they're on the <gasps> bridge. Yes. Like that's so, I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. Just Cinematic. Like, mm-hmm. The, yeah. yeah, it gave me goosebumps when you said that, because that is, <laughs> I think, pinnacle of cartoon, anime, TV, like, yeah. and it's such a interesting storyline mm-hmm. that I feel like you can easily grasp as a kid. Yeah, it's and still so epic. It's still so epic, yeah. right? Yeah, because, yeah. like, I my older cousins all loved anime, so they were watching, like, Bleach, Oh boy! Yeah. I know, but I didn't. I couldn't get into it as a kid. Like, no, Bleach either. was scary to me. It mm-hmm. was a little bit far fetched in my mind, and so I was like, I don't understand. But Samurai Jack was one that I could piece together and be like, "This is so fucking rad." Yeah, that was Toonami did a really great Toonami and Cartoon Network in general. Yeah, they did a good job of putting uh, with their programming. Putting things like Bleach and Cowboy Bebop Cowboy and Bebop, Big O yeah. and things like that that are the more a little more adult, a little more like graphic, mature themes, animes that even the animation style was a little harsher and like kind of looked a little scarier. They yeah. would put the, they would kick those to Adult Swim because they had this overall agreement with the the, the production companies in Japan right. to be able to broadcast it in America, and then they would put more. I want to say like americanized or westernized like yeah shows on cartoon network earlier in the day for yes. like us kids because i consider dragon ball z the best anime ever but the anime purists are like that's barely anime <laughs> like- i know but it, it because it's so westernized but yes. 
people say the same thing about Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. And I I think that that is one of the best animes ever. It's great. It, the storyline, like, that is something I rewatch regularly mm-hmm. because it, it tackles themes mm-hmm. that are so intris- intrinsic of life. Yeah. And they do it in such a beautiful way. So whenever people are like, it's not anime, I'm like, why? Because I'm not watching hentai? Right. <laughs> because I don't want to watch like these big bootied, big boobed, like, ha-ha. Like, uh-huh. I hate some of those like purist anime because yeah. it's gross on some level. Some of them you're like, I just <laughs> yeah. don't even, I can't watch this because yeah. all of it is sexualized. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sorry, I, I got on a tangent there, but I'm trying to remember... What you were saying? Oh, Adult Swim. Yeah. Whenever Bleach would come on, I would be like, "It's time for bed." Ah, ah, As a kid, I was like, "Oh, it's Adult Show time." Yeah, I and I even watched like Family Guy before Same. that. Same. Which There'd is be way two more episodes of, a- of Family Guy, yes. and then that would come on. And it's like, all right, eleven thirty, time for bed. Yes, <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like Family Guy was way more adult themed. Oh yeah, and easily. Robot Chicken was after Family Guy sometimes, mm-hmm. which was like that, yeah. even more insane. Yeah, for a kid to be watching. Yeah, and yeah. then Bleach was too much. Like, yeah, it was. I don't know. That was no. We were watching the same Adult Swim because, yes. in my opinion, the ultimate like pre-bed routine was it would be an episode of Family Guy. If there for a while, their rotation was an episode of Family Guy whenever it first switched over to Adult Swim. Yeah. And then an episode of King of the Hill. Yes. And that would usually put me to sleep because right, I loved King out. of the Hill. And it was so, like, soothing because oh. it was, like, it's a cartoon, but it's very grounded and it could be just a live-action show. Right. And there would just be something where it's, like, I'd watch it and I would feel so satisfied and then be, like, I can turn this TV off and oh. go to bed because something scary is about to come on. Right. So that was <laughs> – what uh, – do you – did you wa- – were you much of a Dragon Ball person? I was not. Mm-hmm. Uh, my I had a cousin that was, like, 18 months younger than me mm-hmm. and he was really into it. Yeah. We did all the, like – we did Pokemon together. We did magic together. But then as we got a little bit older, he was like Dragon Ball Z, Ben yeah. 10. <laughs> ben 10. Yeah. And That's... I was like, no, like, no, yeah. I'm I'm not really into it. Um, I would like to watch Dragon Ball Z and Naruto. Naruto, yeah. Because it's... I hear they're both amazing. And One Piece, like, that's another one that, but I've been... IQ and Demon Slayer for the last oh, like three years. Interesting. Okay, yes. I've never seen those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah, no, I, I, my so Samurai Jack and then Demon Slayer. <laughs> yeah, it's right up there. Huh? I can't even. It's see, my thing is the newest anime that I've allowed into my life was My Hero Academia. Oh, I hear that one's really good. I'm cooking through it. I haven't, I've taken a while. I haven't watched it in a while because I got distracted with other shows. Oh, but yeah. it's interesting. I stopped watching anime almost entirely there for, for years because Same. Dragon So what happened with Dragon Ball Z or the, so Dragon Ball overall. Right. So there was a series in the 80s called Dragon Ball, right. which was about Goku when he was a little kid learning how to like fight and use his skills and there was something weird about him he was a little boy with a tail and that was the original right. series and then so Dragon Ball Z which is the most popular by far is actually the sequel series to Dragon Ball it's when Goku's an adult he's got children of his own they're fighting monsters from other worlds and right. all this stuff the green guy 
uh, Piccolo is one of which Piccolo becomes their friend, and then there's Cell, who's also a green guy who is uh, never their friend, and he is a yeah, villain. That guy. <laughs> and, uh, and then Majin Buu and Frieza and all these other characters. But then there was a sequel series to that called Dragon Ball GT, oh. which was really controversial because it was the first one in the series that wasn't based off of a manga. So it was only ever a TV show. And so because of that and uh, the fact that Akira Toriyama, who was the creator of the universe, really didn't have much involvement with it, hardly at all. Mm. Um, It's Dragon Ball GT is technically considered non-canon. That's so right. for years yeah. the story had, which GT ended like in like '99 or something. Yeah. Uh, so for years the story was just kind of done. It was oh, like no. nobody really, and the ending was kind of sour because we were all like, "Well, we don't have like the the end of Z clearly was setting up a sequel series that right. then became GT that was a kind of a disappointment to people. The, the community doesn't understand what's going on. But then in like 2015 or 16, wow. I think it was. Dragon Ball Super came out. So like 15 years later. Yeah. Long, like a whole generation of like, yeah. cause kids our age, well, I wasn't watching it as it was airing. No, it came like later we yeah. watched. I was it. watching yeah. a show that came that was coming out before I was born thinking it was brand new. Cause yeah. I was on Toonami and it's like the first time it's airing in the U S same. I agree yeah. with some like even Ren and Stimpy I was watching and I was like, <laughs> yeah. this is new. And it's like, no, this is mm-hmm. old and gross shit. Yeah. Like, I thought that with Scooby-Doo, where are you? Yes. Like yeah. from the 60s. <laughs> Have you ever done the research to understand like what was going on with the production company or those who own the rights to Dragon Ball? Like why did, was there such a gap? They were just, it was just done kind of. The story was like, they hadn't written any more mangas. Akira Toriyama was working on more comedy anime stuff, which Uh. was more his like jam anyway, apparently. Uh, Uh. And so they just weren't really, they, they, it had become this machine that was, you know, printing money. I think honestly what happened was it ended in Japan and then they sold the rights to the U.S. and it just rode the wave of success for another decade. So they're like, well, we don't really need to make anything new. That's And then sucks. they started writing new manga to then base the Super, the Dragon Ball Super series off of, um, which is the best, like, it's my favorite shit they've done. Like, I, really? I got, that's what got me back into it, which then got me oh. into My Hero because my roommate Lucas, who's not here, uh, he was like, you should watch My Hero Academia. It's like the Avengers and Harry Potter combined. I was like, oh. I think that's really cool so yeah got into it got into it heavy and uh that's where we avatar the last airbender i have not seen every episode of that show why because i there was a around seventh ish grade i think it probably was i just had this thing where i stopped watching a lot of kids shows no and so I didn't get to finish it. The last thing I remember I happening, <laughs> well, Netflix owns uh, <laughs> physical media. I bet they changed some things. Uh, oh, you're right. The last thing I remember happening was they arrived at like a water nation city that was like near a glacier. It was like, oh my ice. God, the first season? Was that the first season? Yes. Or is it towards the end when they're battling? The Emperor. I have never seen... I've only ever seen that in, like, clips online, Then you basically. were just first season. You didn't even make it to Bossing Say with the Cabbage Man? I don't... I very vaguely remember something like... Was the blind girl with the rocks... Was that... That's it, the only season she's in. Really? 
Yeah, she gives herself up to become the moon spirit because um, whoever is like coming. Oh, it's Zuko. Zuko is coming to find the uh-huh. Avatar. Yeah, at that glacier place, and he ends up killing the moon spirit. Which makes it so that all of the waterbenders lose their power oh. and everybody's going to die because the moon spirit is gone. Yeah. So the tides won't move. Nothing moves. Whoa. And so that woman yeah. who is Sokka's like love of his life. Yeah. Gives up her life to become the moon spirit oh. and restore balance. Interesting. And so then forever he's always like looking up at the moon like. Yeah. She's there, but I can never be with her. So in season one, has <laughs> Zuko figured out how to use lightning? No. See, I've well, so I've you've seen, seen like bits and pieces. Yeah, then. I've yeah. seen that. I've seen when he shaves his his ponytail. Then that's like season two or three. Okay, yeah, yeah. I've I, I've not seen. I've uh, the only reason I've seen the finale where he fights the Fire Lord is yeah. just on like TikTok. Like, oh my like, gosh, like you sound like clips. a Gen Z. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, I love that. Never seen it in real life. Uh-huh. Just watching TikTok I've clips. It Thirty seconds of it at a time. That's okay. That's how I'm an expert on things now. I'm like, yeah. 30 second bits on TikTok and <laughs> I mean you know what I've fallen into I've started doing this thing where multiple times now I'll just be scrolling and a you know they'll put a whole movie on there just in like minute 30 like 90 second 2 minute clips I'll watch a movie I'll sit there and like watch a 2 hour movie in 20 minutes cuz it's just the, the condensed Do like, you remember TikTok Quibi? Version. I remember Quibi. Yeah. That's what they wanted. Oh, really? Yeah. That's what they wanted. And because yeah. I worked for a credit card company oh. at the time who Very invested cool. millions of dollars into the development of Quibi to be one of the 12 exclusive promoters uh-huh. on there. Because that was the whole thing was like Quibi would have exclusive movies and shows and content yeah. that was broken up into bite-sized pieces. Yeah, like Reno 911, didn't they? Yeah. Tell, yeah. But, and only 12 brands could promote on there so you wouldn't be inundated with random ads it was like disney coke discover card Mm -hmm. these like big names that invested millions of dollars into the development but people hated it (laughs) and where did it all go (laughs) it's a a year it it disappeared because people actually were like saying i don't want to watch a movie in yeah. 20 minute bite sized clips. This isn't what this is. But yeah. I think what it is is they didn't edit it the way that people do on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Like, they cut out what you don't really need. Yeah. And so you can watch a movie in 20 minutes because they're like, here's the gist. Right. Yeah. Or an entire yeah. fucking series. Like, that Chernobyl series keeps yeah. popping up into my, into my For You page. And I'm like, or documentaries. Like, uh, like, a documentary that's two and a half hours, but someone can edit it so I can watch in a minute what it the gist yeah. is you yeah know? you know it's funny the maybe the best example of fan editing yeah. <laughs> uh, as of late was are you a star wars person at all not much but i come from a star wars person okay. so it's i've seen some of them so they just disney plus made this obi-wan series right that's about obi-wan kenobi between the prequels and the original trilogy, My mom like loves it. It, it's great, and I loved the whole series. Like I thought it was great. It was like six or seven, like forty minute episodes. Oh, that's not bad, and actually. No, it's 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 easy. It's only one season. It was like a mini series. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they're planning on doing more. I kind of hope they don't. Oh. But um, somebody took all of those episodes and just edited it down to like a two hour and twenty minute movie. 
And I watched some, and I was like, oh, this is great. Like, they should have just done this. Like, they should have just made this whole thing a movie because there's a lot of weird filler in it. And I don't know. But But once someone took that out who had the context, Mm -hmm. it made it so easy for you to watch. Yes. And speaking (laughs) speaking of filler, or speaking of anime filler, is oh. something that Dragon Ball is like notorious for, and I'm realizing that because like I I got my brother into it, and we were going back watching old episodes, and I was like, I always knew it was like an old kind of joke, but really? re watching it for the first time in a while, I was like, oh Jesus Christ, they they've they spent the last two and a half episodes talking about the fight they're about to have. Oh <laughs> my God, yeah, I think that's like a big reason why I never watched it, and the same thing with one. Piece because yeah. it's so daunting. One Piece has like over 300 episodes. Yeah, it's too many. And it's too many because there's so many filler episodes yeah. where it's like one whole episode where they barely walk into the fucking forest. Yeah. And I, I'm supposed to watch all that? Fuck you. Fuck you. Have I'm you? too fucking busy. Yeah. I got K pop edits to watch. That's right. Have because you? those. That's where it's fucking at. Yeah. I don't have to watch anything. <laughs> I I get the best edits from fans. And mm-hmm. I'm like, these companies, if they were smart, would hire fans. Yeah. You are a big K-pop fan. Oh, yes. You I just bought my K-Con convention tickets for I, August. I, I wish I... I think you would love it. The only two K-pop things that I know of are BTS, obviously, mm. and Psy. Uh, yes. Yeah. Psy yeah. was like the biggest... Solo artists to break into the industry. Mm-hmm. Opa Gundam style. Well, that just hey, that video. That? Of course, yeah. I do. I remember I saw that video on YouTube when it had less than a hundred thousand views. This what did morning, you think? It went up. Me and my friend. Well, we were all together, and somebody had posted it to Reddit. And yeah. this one guy that we were hanging out with at this guy's house. We were in high school. And he was like, "Look what I just found on this like weird like meme page on Reddit." And we put it up on the TV. And we thought it was a joke. Yeah. Like, we were like, this is like a parody. Like, this doesn't, this can't be a real, like, earnest thing that they're doing. You don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. Like, you could scare people away from K-pop forever if you showed them some of the, like, underbelly oh of, God. like, these yeah. music. Like, there's a song called Ring Ding Dong. It's like uh-huh. ring, ding, 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 ring, ding, 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 ding. It was uh-huh. so popular that it was banned during uh, exam times yeah. because it would brainwash people and they would forget everything. What? <laughs> yes. And if you watch the music video, you're like, how could anyone like this? <laughs> but then a week later, you're like, ring, ding, uh-huh. ding, it's ding, like ding. Some scientific <laughs> shit. Yes. Like it's in your head. And that's Psy because now he has his own label, P Nation. Mm-hmm. And all of his artists, when they release a song, they're required to have a signature dance move within this song. Uh-huh. So like his was like that riding the mm-hmm. horse thing. Yeah. Every one of his songs, if you watch, he has a dance move that people can pick up and do. Yeah. And he makes all of his artists do it because he's, it is science. It works. Yeah. It's just like Taylor Swift. Yeah. She has a fucking formula to produce. Mm -hmm. Remember how Ryan Tedder was like, I have a mathematical formula that I use when writing music. Mm -hmm. 
Ryan Tedder's been using AI for years, and nobody was mad about that. No, it's it. I mean, it, it K-pop especially is these these are people these are engineered, yeah. like 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 fucking in a lab. Yes, like from their image to their like their social life to yes. their v- musical style, it has been scientifically like by a team of experts from the moment they're born to now, like. That shit is crazy to me. And Taylor Swift has done it, but all sort of organically by, you know, d- creating an army of women in their late 20s, early 30s who will kill for her. Yeah. It's a very powerful men. demographic. There's men in that, too. Did you oh, see yeah. her most recent tour? She sold out and then 20,000 people just hung out in the. Oh, I've been seeing these. Yeah. The era's shit Holy where people shit. are just in the parking lot yeah. singing and like, yeah. Oh, like, big time. She's on the same level. As BTS, I think. Yeah, I'd say so. It's just a little less impressive because she's a white woman, right? But she's had to fail big. You know, I love Taylor Swift. I've been a Taylor Swift fan since our song was a slam and screen door. Oh, <laughs> I used to, you know before we had music on our phones. Would you ever record songs on the radio? No, I wouldn't do that to save his ringtones. No, I wouldn't steal. No, I would. I, oh, I, do, I do know what you're oh, talking about. Is that stealing? Uh, yeah, you just, no. It, I mean, it's not like you're redistributing it No, anywhere. I was just using it for <laughs> myself, for my own alarms. Yeah. I would do that with uh, teardrops on my guitar. He's a reason for the tears. That's from the album even before yeah. the one that our song is on. Yes. I love. Uh, I loved her, like, super curly hair. Mm-hmm. She yeah. looked like every girl that I went to school with. It was oh. really, uh, yeah. If you were a girl, I think you would look like her. Interesting. And I mean that with all the compliments yeah. in the world. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I think. Like a beautiful blonde woman. <laughs> I would love to be blonde for two seconds. I've, I've lived in the prison that is brunette my entire life. Oh. But uh, me, I, thank you very look much. Look at me. Look at me. I'm always chasing that blonde. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I do get treated better with when my hair is blonde there's something about again the going back to the science of like the image or something there's yeah. like a certain like 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 you know maybe hitler was onto something with the whole no, area no no. <laughs> no 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 where the door locks oh, God. Like, and now we're really I? gonna talk oh uh, can i tell you something crazy go yeah that's shit you know so yeah. like there's always been a family sur- secret urban legend that mm-hmm. like the reason my family had to leave Greece is because during World War II, my great grandfather was a guerrilla fighter mm-hmm. who was fighting against the Nazis. Oh! But now that shit's gone down, I don't believe it. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I that I want to do some research, like in Greece. I want to go back to the island we're from and be like, is this real? Because mm-hmm. the story I've been told is my great grandfather was fighting for Greece's liberation from the Nazis, which is what a lot of islanders were doing at the time but when the town found out they executed him took my great grandmother as a prisoner of war and beat her for months for secrets yeah and so i'm like why would the town do that right if they weren't doing bad shit yeah there's something there's a piece of that puzzle that's missing i know yeah uh, that's uh yeah. that's interesting did you do you have family secrets I've got a yes, and I want to. I want to. Oh, I'm going to circle back to that, but real quick before we, because I want to talk about this. Uh, w- it organically came up, and I want to say before I knew what BTS was. Oh yes, 
I would I was hearing about it, and they were like playing Soldier Field or something when I was living in Chicago. Oh, yes, yes, I had and, tickets to that. Oh, you did? Did, yes. did you did you go? No, because it was supposed to be during the pandemic. Oh yeah, that's this is all around this time. Yes, and I was heartbroken. Well, and I heard about this show, and I I did not know. I truly had not even heard of the idea uh, of BTS or K-pop or none of that. Wow. What I thought it was because I was like BTS. Behind the scenes? So selling out Soldier Field. I thought it was Beyonce and Taylor Swift doing a co-headlining tour. As That's amazing. Calling, and calling it BTS, Beyonce, Taylor Swift. Oh. I thought that's what that entire thing was. Anytime Dude. somebody brought up BTS, I was You're like, like oh, Beyonce that's and the Taylor Beyonce Swift. and Taylor Swift mega tour that they're doing. Chance, I think you need to sell this to them because Dang. they don't need it right now, right? They're oh. both so... They're, but think about them at like 60. Uh-huh. Like that... We're a little bit past our prime. That's what all the old like classic rock bands are yes. doing. They're all They're going collabing. on tour together. Yeah, yeah. Selling it. it's like who we- was it? Ozzy went on tour with someone else that I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, it was, ne- I know like Joan Jett, Motley yeah. Crue, and Poison like all went on what? tour together. So, and like, uh, but going to that show, they're all like. Right, yeah. <laughs> they need oil in their joints yeah. and shit. Motley yeah. Crue is one of my favorite bands ever. And like last summer, Vince Neil, the singer, does his own little solo tours and stuff. Oh. And he was like playing a state fair. And there was a video Yikes. of him like like a song and a half in having to cancel the rest of the set because he couldn't sing the songs anymore. Because like, he, he was tired? Because he was exhausted. from Yeah. Oh, it, it's that's fucking, sad. That is the prison that some of those people put themselves into. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there's a band, <laughs> like, whenever you're a, a lead vocalist that's really going for it every single song. Like Hinder. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> exactly like Hinder. Eating your microphone. And there's a... There's a, there's a lack of longevity that that brings. Well, which they destroyed their bodies too. Like. That too. Yes, they 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 were not kind to themselves. Yeah. They were, they rode hard and got put away wet. Uh, like one band of that I used to love as a boy. That's a perfect example of this. Are you familiar with the band Sleeping with Sirens? Oh yes, I didn't ever yeah. listen to them, but my younger sister did. Yeah, yeah I was obsessed. I was a Warp Tour kid. Sit, and yeah, they yeah. were big. They were huge there for a while. Right. And what happened to them? What I didn't know. They're those. still around. They're still kicking around. They just uh. kind of fell off, like with the whole genre of like you know post hardcore and, and. Well, and I would love that. to ask you this mm. because of where I work, mm-hmm. fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also there's a guy on YouTube who's like punk rock MBA, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how the end of Warp Tour also co- coincided with the end of pop punk, yeah, the whole punk genre as we know died, it, because yeah. there was no vehicle for kids to have access to it on yep. a broad scale. Yeah, and it's like it crucial for Warp Tour to come back. Mm-hmm. And in a different, maybe different management, maybe different security protocols because there yeah. was some wild shit going on. Did you watch Warp Tour Roadies, the TV show about it? No, I did not. <laughs> I couldn't bring myself to, Dude, to watch it. It'll so make you so sad just because, like, what kids were being put through. I'm sure we both were put through. You remember just standing on a tarmac under a rain? That mm-hmm. just because you were just boiling from being in the fucking sun. I had a heat stroke at yeah. Warp Tour 2014. 
2014, I believe it was. Oh yeah, it that was, was probably a good one. Or 13. It was either 2014 or 13, and it was in Dallas, Texas. Me and oh. my friends drove down to Dallas, Texas for it, and it was the Texas heat. It was like 112 I mean, I degrees. It on like the worst, like no trees. Just yeah, fucking... just a f- it was a pavement. It was like yeah. a black asphalt. Usually, and yeah. I was well. I had not had anything to eat or drink the entire day. I had had a shack soda at the gas station oh, before, no. and uh, which is Shaquille O'Neal's soda company. <laughs> just spiked your blood sugar and then exactly. had nothing. Yeah, and because I spent all my money on merch, I didn't. Um, I, I only had you're cash. Exactly. You know. I was like 17, 18 years old, and I'm watching Memphis Mayfire, which was like Amazing. My, one of my Love favorite them. bands at yeah. the time. And I was just in the middle of the pit, and I just started to get real dizzy, and like oh, my no. legs got weak. And then I caught a stray elbow between the eyes, Fuck. and that like exacerbated the symptoms. And I just collapsed to the ground and started crawl out. They part the way <gasps> so I can crawl Wait, out. Wait, people saw you collapse, and then they didn't help you. You just had to crawl out. I yeah, they parted. They got out of the way, but nobody was touching me for some reason. <laughs> like nobody was picking me up and helping me out. Uh, so I got out, <laughs> and which I had seen so many people helped in that way, but I. <laughs> I wasn't worthy of it. And I crawled under a water station table and just would reach up and grab a cup and like pour it towards my mouth and like it would mostly go on my face. And I like recovered under there and like got up. And then I leaned up against the guitar center tent where people were trying out guitars and I watched Bring Me the Horizon from like a hundred yards away. (laughs) Yeah, that was good. Um, circling. Oh, bring me the horizon even honor did you hallucinate it no they were there there was the last year they did it they got too big after that i was gonna were, say that sounds like the time yeah yeah those were one of my other favorite bands was bring me the horizon Amazing. Which, and now they're on tour with like fallout boys yeah they're humongous because they changed their sound like which they yeah. had to change their sound because got if, more pop if you listen to uh their first few albums it was like pretty hardcore like metalcore like deathcore stuff yeah and Ollie Sykes, the lead singer, had to have like so a hot. tracheotomy or something, whatever it was, to because uh, he fucked his vocal cords up so bad. Because you listen to their early, it's like <laughs> like fucking unbelievable. And you have to really be trained when you do that, like uh-huh. oh, or yeah. you will destroy your vocal cords. And he did. And so now that's why they change into basically Diet Lincoln Park, like is what I always <laughs> describe their new sound as. It, it, it really is, but yep. like. Good for them because, in my opinion, without Chester, it's not good enough. I and don't. also, it's not Fort Minor. I want Mike <laughs> Shinoda right. to just do... Go do your own thing. Go do Fort Minor. We've thing. been asking for a second album for fucking 20 years. Oh, yeah. And you're... And you're t- I don't know. I guess riding the high still of Chester's yeah. death, but... Are they still... They Is keep Linkin re-releasing. Park still touring, or yes, okay, and they've been releasing songs with old Chester vocals. Oh no, really? It, they're actually good, okay. but it's sad because you're like, stop! Like, yeah, if you can't write new music without him, just stop. Well, he was the band, is the thing. Like he, like Mike Shinoda, like obviously was the other half of that equation. Yeah. But it's like, like for example. Had so Taylor Hawkins die, the Foo Fighters drummer. Oh, he dies, yeah. very sad. They're gonna keep going, obviously. They, well, they, Dave they can do took it ti- too. exactly. They yeah. took time off, and they're gonna get a new drummer. And Dave's. Imagine if Dave Grohl died. 
No. You're not, the Foo Fighters isn't going to keep going. It's really, over. Bands are their front man or front I, person. They like, need it's, a pillar, right? Because yeah. like, I would say Patrick Stump isn't the pillar of Fall Out Boy. I think Pete Wentz is. Yeah, that's, I, would, uh, I would agree with that because right? he like, was always a bigger a star. Yeah. yeah, but it's the same thing. Like, I agree with you to some extent because you look at Panic at the Disco. It's just fucking Brendan Urie at this point, and mm-hmm. he's still going under that name. Yeah. I mean, and Paramore has switched in and out the OG members besides oh, Haley Williams. That's right. Well, a friend of mine's in Paramore right now. Wow. His name's Brian. He plays guitar. That's fucking cool. He's the big fellow with the big afro, yeah. I love that guy. Yeah, neat dude. Uh, and he, they're he, having a moment because... They're back, yeah. <laughs> and with Taylor Swift, she uh-huh. had them on tour. I'm mm-hmm. so happy for them because I've always been like... Paramore was my, like, my fucking band. Yeah. Like, Haley Williams was that alternative girl... I didn't That's want perfect. to be like anyone else. Like, like the fact, Spears. Yeah, the yeah. fact that I liked Taylor Swift, I kept that under wraps, you know? like Yeah, Haley Williams and Paramore came out at it. It was an interesting time because it was an era of... The, it was the, the, the biggest thing happening in music for the first, like... 15 years of the 2000s was it was the it was the era of the female pop star yeah it was the rise of these like women who kind of like stood on the shoulders of your madonnas and your janet jackson's and your missy elliott's and kind of took it to a level that they never quite reached yes and so having a Haley williams was like the antithesis of that of like yes and yeah, I, I hadn't thought of how that would be important for certain people. Oh, you know? very like, important for me yeah. as like, and especially growing up in Utah, I was searching for that oh, yeah. alternative culture, but in a way that was accessible to me because mm-hmm. I was still like <laughs> under an extreme, like controlling household yeah. where my dad was like, no, you're not going to go run the streets in short shorts run the streets. yeah like yeah. if i was when i was being a hoodlum it was because i was having a sleepover at someone's house that's the secret that's the secret that's the secret you, you don't shit where you eat exactly <laughs> and like my parents knew and so after two days they'd be like you have to come home yeah and i'd be like no because my parents were like the only real parents in my friend group mm-hmm. growing up oh, like wow. a lot of my friends came from single parent households and so they were left to their own devices from yeah age 10 on and so when i would stay Oof. with them we were alone yeah we were <laughs> like i thought it was so cool my friend knew how to cook and use the grill but it was because she had she to had to yeah 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 not because no, if uh, she didn't nobody was eating yeah yeah that's a uh, man but my parents yeah. were like Oh, yeah, you can go spend the night at Kaylee's house for three days. Oh, no, not Kaylee. <laughs> We're going to go rob Walmart. That's... Well, I was going to ask you uh, something me and my friends did because we were little shitheads, but mm-hmm. with some decency and respect, mm-hmm. we would try to sell Bibles to local businesses as prank calls. Okay, as prank calls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, in my head, I was like, you did like, you, for real? <laughs> did you find like a wholesale? Like, yeah. did you, you bought a pallet of Bibles at cost? And we were like, <laughs> so we were trying to make money. Uh, we were never that we, our prank call era was not uh, trying to do like fake business. Our prank call era was uh, borderline uh, terrorism. Oh. We were, we were bad. What were people. you doing? I want to know. We would just call like, 
it was people you knew or random like were you a phone book kid a or combination did- of all we would oh. call businesses people we knew and random people i was the king of prank calls because i could do voices yes you have always been able to do voices that wasn't something you developed yeah. no my in entire conservatory life. or that's right my oh. entire life i've done voices natural talent this guy well it was just good thank you it was just copying cartoons so like I, would, I was a race by tv kid so it's like i'd sit there and be like nah! like, oh. like, do, like a spongebob or whatever and um so I would call businesses and I could sound like an adult or I could sound like a woman or like I, could, oh. I would do different types of voices. And when we'd call businesses, that really wasn't like, like, you know, we'd call like Bass Pro and be like, I need a bass boat. And they'd be like, what? A bass boat? A bass boat? A bass boat? Are you oh saying a God. fast boat or a bass boat? A bass boat? <laughs> We would do shit like that, but what? I love that. Yeah, it was fun. The we best... would call McDonald's to try to sell Bibles. Really? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good. I mean, it's it's, and it's, so a good then angle. it's just like a weird angle that we were like, yeah, mm-hmm. they're never gonna know what to say to us. No, no like, one's no one's in this space. But you were like, <laughs> you were like, method acting on top of finding the right location yeah. basically we would call people and like we would call people we knew and threaten them oh was one God. thing that we would do like what uh, like, uh, and were you using star six seven yes I, oh yeah. every who time. taught you that uh like older friends like older siblings and older friends of, like, so, people. so we learned stars you, you weren't blocking your number i learned the hard way mm-hmm. did you get a call back Oh, oh, did I get a call back? Yeah, I bet you did. I was scared. The only time I ever got a call back was it was pre me knowing what that was because I started prank calling by myself. I would do it in my house by myself as a kid. Like I would just pick up the phone book and call people and like fuck with them for no one but myself. Just because you were like, I think this is fun. Or did you see it on a TV show? I saw it on a TV show. Okay, okay. I I knew of prank calling. Uh I was like, I want to engage in this. We grew up in the time of crank yankers. Crank yankers, yeah. So I I wondered if maybe you had seen that. Seen crank yankers and just like kids, like media. They always do prank calls. And we would do them at sleepovers, but then I would keep doing them at my house. And one time... You're I like, this is so fun. I'm going to do it alone. Exactly. <laughs> and one time I called the local strip club. And this is the one call we got. But I called the strip club and I was like, oh, hi. How much does it cost to rent out the whole place? Amazing. And the guy on the line was like, I don't rent out the club. I was like, oh, uh, okay. Bye. <laughs> I hung up and they called right back. And I picked up. I was like, hello? And they were like, who is this? And I was like, uh, sorry, it was the wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, happened from time to time. But who I mostly, most of my notoriety as a prank caller came from calling people from other schools. Oh. So, like, I had a friend who went to a different school. And his name was Nick. And he would... Uh, give me phone numbers of like girls and like people at his school to prank call. So then at like birthday parties or parties or whatever, everyone would be like, you're the prank call guy. <laughs> like, oh. like I was known at other schools in the area as the guy that prank called everyone. And mm-hmm. I had this perfect system where, cause it started to get around that I was doing these prank calls where I would call somebody. I'd be like, hey, how's it going? My name's Bill. And whatever it was I said. <laughs> and then I would get a call back, even if I blocked my number, because they'd be like, it's this guy. We know it oh, is. No. So they would call my phone, and I would do this thing where I ignored the first call, and they would always call a second time, because it's a Friday night. And, and we're you're in smart. eighth grade. We've got nothing else to do. And then on the second one, 
I would pick up my phone and I'd go, hello, who is this? In like a really deep adult voice. Yeah. And it'd be like it'd be like a group of girls at a sleepover, like, oh, I'm fucking <laughs> you stupid. Oh we got we knew it was you. And I and I'd be like, This is Chance's father. Uh he was supposed to be asleep an hour ago and uh, his phone uh, 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 he's now grounded. Who is this? What's your name? And they would always hang up. Oh, you would scare it like <laughs> yes. you got in trouble. Exactly. Oh. I, I was like, You're never gonna get one over me, <laughs> basically. That's you're brilliant. Oh, thank you. That you had the backup plan. Yeah, that was... It was uh, Damn. It was a necessary evil. All that to say, I want to talk about the family thing. Oh, yeah. Tell me so your family So what secrets. part of your family is Greek? Is it the dad's side? My dad's side? side. Okay. The crazy So side. I'm assuming Allegedly. Michael's is the Americanized version? Is yeah. Michaelis or something? Like, Mikaios. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And that's another part of that story is mm-hmm. I'm like, what if that's not even true? Yeah. What if our name is completely different? Because she had to escape how terrible the island was to her. Mm-hmm. That the Greek Orthodox Church arranged a marriage for her in the United States. Wow. Jesus. So she came here through Ellis Island. And mm-hmm. that's how Michael's... Like, when I've tried to trace my heritage through Ellis, my great-grandmother has, like, ten different aliases. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and that's just with the last name Michaels. Yeah. Like... And so it o- I only know so far back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I want to change my last name. I think, have I told you this or no. I've said it on stage? No. Yeah, me, my mom, and sisters are going to change her last name. And my number one pick is Whores. <laughs> and we're going to spell it H O R E S. Okay. <laughs> Bethany Whores. That's good. I want people. That's a, and then it's branded, you know, like the mm-hmm. horror family. The horror. Family. The horrors <laughs> from Utah. <laughs> from Utah. That's great. I think it's great, and it's like we want to get rid of this name. Yeah. I don't want to take another man's last name. Interesting. Okay. So, because yeah. my mom's like, oh, let's do my maiden name. Let's mm-hmm. do my mom's name, and I'm like, those are all other men that let you down in your life it's true we need to make up our own yeah a league of our own a league of our own (laughs) is what we're gonna do interesting we even went to the hollywood forever cemetery and like looked at last (laughs) names because that's what they used to do back in the day Uh uh-huh yeah if you're gonna steal you just look at a cool one on a yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) so yes so that's uh that's a contender in the next year which everyone's like we gotta do it soon because you're branding yourself as Bethany Michaels. And I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, Whatever. I'm not like, I don't have any TV credits. I don't, you know? Yeah. So that's where I'm like, I think I'm still in the clear. Yeah. Like I, if I had more credits, maybe then it would be a bigger deal. But even then, like what do credits even fucking mean in this town? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I think that's cool. That's uh, yeah. My, my mom's side of the family is Italian. Ooh. So I, my, um, so my great grandpa, my version of your story. Yeah, let me hear. <laughs> my great grandpa, his parents came over from Italy, uh, Ooh. and when he was, uh, he had already been born, but he was like a baby. Because so of World War Two, or I'm maybe? not sure exactly. Oh, okay. I think they just came over during like the mass Italian immigration. I think makes like, sense. Pre World War Two. Yeah. Because, yeah, oh yeah, it would have been way before World War Two. Because my grandpa was born around world war ii so this is his dad that we're talking i see i see um so he was a baby they come over and he has two older brothers 
and they live in like the you know the New England, New York, yeah. that area, or like up in the on the East Coast. Two older brothers. One of the brothers, well, they were both in part of organized crime uh, back in the day, and uh, one of the brothers like mob shit. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. And one of the brothers died in prison, and the other one died in the street. And why didn't your grandpa get involved? Because so he was the youngest and saw my great grandpa was. So his name was Rocco de Filippo. I love it. And uh, he his the family saw what the older brothers had become. And so he was like the opposite of the brothers. Ah. So he of his two older brothers, uh, <clears throat> which one of them was named Giuseppe. Giuseppe no. de Filippo. You're uh, lying. Our great uncle Giuseppe. No way. I swear to God. I love <laughs> and then, it. And then the Rocco other. Rocco and Giuseppe. Rocco, Giuseppe, and the other one, we don't know his name because the family won't say it. Like that's. It's a, like a Voldemort. Kind yeah, of. exactly. He was the one that died in the streets, I'm pretty sure. They found his body like washed up on like a beach. Oh, um, no. But uh, so my great grandpa, Rocco de Filippo, he ended up. So they lived in Philadelphia at the time. And. He became one of the first people in the entire country to pass the bar exam without having gone to law school. Holy shit. He taught shit. himself. He, he was a private, he worked as a private investigator because they wouldn't hire Italians to be police right. officers back then. Oh my so God. So he worked as a private investigator with the police. There's like all these like newspaper clippings of him like catching like all these big criminals. And he would go to, he had access to the law library through the court system. Right. And he would just teach himself the law and he passed the bar exam. But he never practiced law. He just. He, he had the credentials. He to say that he could. Wow. Um, you come from so yeah. good stock, man. Like, I kind of, yeah. <laughs> when uh, you have to figure it out. And mm -hmm. he's like, he just, you should write a movie about him because he's like Whitey Bulger status. Like, much, he, yeah. he had this whole, like, mafia ties, but chose to not do something else with it. Yeah. yeah he's an interesting character. I met him. I What do you I, think when you met him? He was just a sweet old man. Like wow. I met all my great grandparents cuz I was born That's really lucky. when my yeah. mom was so young. So like I How old was your mom? She would have been like 21, 22, Dang, something like that. my mom was the same like yeah. Yeah, right around Cuz we're the oldest. So yes. I, how, how old was your dad? Was he older or younger? Um, he's around that same age, cool. just a little bit older. Um, but yeah, my grandpa, who is Rocco's son, is my mom's dad and mm. he passed away in 2018. But then my grandpa, my great grandpa Rocco, he died when I was like 12, I think 11 or 12. So, Dang, we, so you had a good, I chance. like knew him, knew him. Like yeah. Go, he lived in Florida. He lived in Tampa and we nice. would go every summer down to Florida and see our Florida cousins and the Florida family. And wow. he would take me walking around his retirement complex to like, it was like right on the water. <laughs> and he'd always say that alligators would come and like, oh. like just hang out like on the property. Uh, I never saw one, but, um, yeah, which his wife, my granny, my great grandma, she was half Greek. So there's oh, some Greek in here mixed in, I uh, but it's predominantly Italian. <laughs> you so. know, I probably have some Italian in me too. It's, it's like we're all, all those islanders. In the same bay. Yeah. yeah, we're all like right there. <laughs> yeah. We're all just like a little bit dirty, a mm -hmm. little bit loud. Yeah. How and do you feel about Albanians? Don't know much about him. I didn't either, other than all I knew was that John Belushi was Albanian. 
Oh, interesting. And his family was like from Albania uh, and then moved to Illinois. And um, it's a country still? Yeah, it still is. To this day, it is. And they. Learn something new. I'm a big Law and Order fan. Uh, SVU, Law and Order. No, the the idea of Law and Order. Like, I'm kind of a conservative in that. No. Oh, (laughs) I was like, SVU, primarily. I've never watched, like, the other ones, but, like, SVU and then Organized Crime, which is the one that's series. Oh, Organized Crime is really interesting. Have you seen season two? Not yet. Is it really good? (gasps) The first seven episodes of Law and Order, Organized Crime, season two is the greatest story ever told. (laughs) Ever told? It's one continuous storyline rather than like a crime of the week thing that they usually do. For seven episodes. Kind of like when Olivia was kidnapped. Exactly. Yes. It's like one through line and it's about Stabler is undercover, deep undercover uh, in the in an Albanian organized crime family. Oh, and you learn all about Albania, and like they talk, <laughs> they talk about That's it. That's why you know about it. Yes, I, I learned a lot through that. But do you know Mary Huth? Who? She's a comic around town. I don't know. Her son is coached or was coached by Stabler. Their neighbors. Oh, really? Yeah, she oh, has a whole cool. set about, like, she's a lesbian, but mm-hmm. being around Stabler's butt all the time, make you real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, so that's, you're only, like, two degrees removed from Stabler. I'd love to get my hands on Chris Maloney. I oh, think, my God. I think we could do a lot of good work I together. I think you he could, and, <laughs> and make a lot of great music together, or whatever they say. He's an amazing man. Um, I'll have to watch that. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to check it out. But I love Stabler, and... I feel like I've never seen the episodes where he leaves. It's oh, I always feel like I miss that. It's like they'll do like the seasons leading up, mm-hmm. like on reruns, they'll do the seasons leading up to when he leaves, and then after, and it's like yeah, way after. I'm like, what the fuck happened that they want us to not know where Stabler is? It's the last episode of either season twelve or thirteen of SVU mm. was his last episode because he shoots a kid. And that's why he leaves because the the season finale because that show you know the season finale episode would usually be a two parter yeah it would be like a bigger like story and um yeah there was a kid that was like one of the victims that survived or something or like his mom had been killed by the and like his sister had been like attacked what all this stuff by this guy they catch the guy they've got him in cuffs in the in like the squad room and it's like all right well another job well done and the kid who was like a victim of the main bad guy for the season finale walks in with a gun that he bought off the street and he's like a 10 11 year old kid and guns the guy down and so Stabler has, and he's like, like is like, like a he scared has no kid choice. and just keeps shooting. Oh. And it's just kind of like erratic. And like he hits like Mariah, like he oh. hits like some of the, and so Stabler kills has the kid. Him, yeah. And then the next season, Chris Maloney uh, wanted more money and they told him no. So they wrote him out of the show. Which is so stupid. It's like, uh, he, him and Olivia is what really made that show. Like, oh, yeah. we love all the other side characters. Of course. But those two and the storylines and the way that they were in the, yeah. like, obviously, there's no Law and Order without him. I mean, they were able to hold on to her, which I think is what's kept the series alive. Yeah, but Mariska Hargitay, she's thank incredible. Thank you. Her name's so hard for me to say. <laughs> yeah. Like, when Kathy Griffin, did you ever watch Life on the D-List? I did not, know. I, I wish I had, but I hadn't. I was like, 
that kid who loved it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was probably one of my first exposures to women being in comedy that mm-hmm. I liked. Yeah. Because my dad would watch Lampanelli. Lisa Lampanelli, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I... Not that I don't like her. I actually love her a lot more now. Mm-hmm. But like back in the day, I just didn't like how she interacted with audience. Yeah. Like that was her whole. kind of mean. <laughs> I didn't like it. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. And the only other comics I would watch with my dad were like Chris Rock, Cat Williams, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed but didn't really like see myself in. Yeah. And Kathy Griffin was the like closest. Mm-hmm. Like a woman that had her own TV show and like was on stage regularly yeah that i was like i fucking love this woman yeah she's great that's which is a perfect segue talking about your youth into i want to ask you this what were you like as like an elementary school kid like day to day like what genre of kid would you consider yourself so i always ran with the boys okay i loved sports like in fact my mom, even though I wanted to be girly, like wear long earrings, I've mm-hmm. always had my ears pierced, and then like nails, my mom knew, you're playing too rough with the boys, <laughs> you're going to yeah. rip your nails out and your earrings, so you're not allowed. Yeah. Like, interesting. <laughs> as a kid, I hated, like I developed really young, so mm-hmm. I had my period at like 10 and I got oh, wow. boobs re- like second and third grade, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to wear a bra because I was like, I'm like everyone else. Yeah. And my mom's like, no, you're not. You uh-huh. got to Like she was chasing me down. I was a little bit of a weirdo that was able to go in between groups, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like in fourth grade, I only wore Napoleon Dynamite t-shirts. Hilarious. <laughs> like a vote for Pedro. <laughs> yeah. I had a green one that in sparkles said like flipping sweet. Like uh-huh. I had five shirts and I wore those five shirts. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I also was that kid that was forgettable to teachers, if you can believe it. Okay. I was going to say, what would teachers have said about you? Always. When we went to parent-teacher conference, they couldn't remember my name the first time. Wow. Because I was a quiet kid in class. Yeah, like, yeah. my mom is a teacher, so, like, when I'm in class, I'm, like, a good kid. I'm here to learn. I, I usually got put next to the, bro- the problem children because mm. they thought that I would, like, tone them down. <laughs> But what would yeah. actually happen is we would conspire together mm-hmm. and then I would lie for them. Of course. That always that happened. Yeah, like <laughs> I always got put with the bad kids. Yeah. Because they thought I was a good kid, but really I was easily persuaded to do mm-hmm. whatever they wanted me they to were do. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I just remember going to parent teacher conference with my mom and my teachers never being able to remember who I was at first. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, because I wasn't a problem kid and I wasn't like the best in the class. Right. You weren't quite a pleasure to have in class. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I was fucking around. I was. And I always got like the note on my like papers. Never stops talking. Hmm. Like I always was just like blah, 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 blah to everyone around me. Yeah. And my mom was like, you think that? turns off when she comes home <laughs> like this isn't news to us right, like yeah she talks non-stop in her sleep uh-huh. when she's home at school Amazing. like my mom literally would write notes back to my teacher like give her more work to do yeah because that's why i was like busy be talking because mm. i'd already done my school work yeah. and by the time i got to like <laughs> 
junior high and high school, I was so over it. I mm-hmm. was like, I'm smarter than all these people. I'm meant to be out of like, I was dealing with adult things. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, school is trivial and for children. And I have a nine to five. I got to get to. Yeah. I've got a life here. Yeah. yeah. I got kids <laughs> to provide for and fucking, I didn't go to like any school dances or anything. Oh, wow. Cause I was like, this costs money and is a waste of time. Mm-hmm. It's superficial. Not going. Wow. Literally had someone ask me out mm-hmm. and I told him no, because I didn't want to waste money and time on the dress and all of that. <laughs> like that's the mindset I had uh-huh. in high school. Yeah. I, I took PE online. Wow. This man. That's, speak of the devil. With, he didn't even bring us food. I know. It, no, we're talking about my life. You would interrupt it. Avery Brooks, everybody. Big big round of applause for Avery Brooks. You fucking interrupt my podcast all the time. I got two burgers. I'm getting my comeuppance here. Yep. Both for me. How, how, how'd it go today? Great. Nice. Oh, oh my goodness. Great. What is it? It's a red bottle. It's sitting next to a liquid death, so I didn't know if that was more yeah. hardcore water. We've got a whole thing. Do you, okay. have, do you have something to... No. Yeah. Well, he. <laughs> well, he was homeschooled till he was in third grade. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that's even weirder if his mom said he's a pleasure. A pleasure in class. You've been, you've been wearing that same outfit for three days. He been fucking for three days. Look at. <laughs> I, I've also been in this outfit for three days. Well, I just really love this shirt. Do you take it off? Yeah, it's hot and I, yeah. versatile. I'm not saying it's a bat. I wore this yesterday. I do this. I pick out an outfit for the week. I pick out, here's how I dress. So I pick out an outfit for the week, and if I, I really like it, I wear it a lot that week, but I wash it regularly. And then the next week, I have that outfit. I pick out my Gilligan's Island outfit for each week. Do you have autism? I haven't been tested. Don't, don't answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering because as an autistic person... I'm hyper aware of the way my clothes feel on me. And so when I do find an outfit that's like super comfortable, I do the same thing. I like rewash it and mm-hmm. wear it because I can't. I'm like, this feels good. Yeah. It, it feels nice to have a uniform. Oh my God. I love a yeah. uniform. I love a uniform. Yeah. I've but gotten, I never went, we went to public school. Yeah. And so. we never got to experience. I've gotten to a point where. On my like quote unquote weekends because my work schedule is so erratic. Yeah, I wear the same type of socks and I wear. Oh. I've got two pairs of these black shorts and like a shirt similar to like like multiple shirts that are just kind of like a plain singular color, either short sleeve or long sleeve shirt. Yes, and I will wear this. And this is like it's 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 like I know I'm got I've got a day of nothing ahead of me. And I've that's lovely. Yeah, you know I think we're just like ahead of the game because Daniel Radcliffe for years wore the same outfit. So the paparazzi couldn't ever get a good photo of him. Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) Did you know this? (laughs) Yeah. Daniel Radcliffe, he wore a red shirt and khakis and white shoes for like three years. Uh So it always looked like the same photo. That's hilarious. And so after years of that, paparazzi gave up and he never had a problem. Amazing. Well, that's like, uh, I saw recently there's this thing where it's like autograph culture. Ooh, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. It's kind of all but disappeared because... Ooh. Of now, everybody's got a camera, so the selfie has become the autograph. It used to be like, 
I saw John Stamos at the gas station today. Look, he autographed my, oh. my whatever. Look, and they would be like, whoa, that's proof that you saw him. Now it's like, well, you've got a production studio in your pocket. Why don't yeah. you take a video or a photo with him or whatever? So wow. nowadays there are still autograph hounds because of the uh, like memorabilia resale stuff. So that's if you're- the only thing I can think of because in K-pop it's albums if you can get mm-hmm. or photo cards signed yes but like also being from utah park city sundance mm, for yeah, years yeah. i've known people who would spend two weeks in park city with a digital camera like yeah. you know to get photos with celebrities post mm-hmm. albums on facebook of everyone yeah. they would meet well what people do now is they'll go so like let's like lebron james he would not do this because nobody would have this access to him but let's just say lebron james He'll walk through a hotel and there'll be like three or four guys standing outside the hotel with stacks of photos of him, multiple like basketball, like a lot of different items. Like, please sign all of these. And then they're just going to turn around and put them all on eBay. Like a signed LeBron James Polaroid, a signed LeBron James, whatever. So now to combat that, celebrities are really personalizing autographs like asking what's your name what's right. your kid's name who's this because because they never say i'm doing this because i'm going to resell it they always like oh it's for my kids it's for my kids like i've got but 20 people kids still buy them well people it, but the value goes down significantly because it's for if that it's person pers- if it's a personalized autograph so if Ooh. it's like if i have a basketball that has michael jordan's signature just his signature on it that's worth way more than if i have a basketball that says to lewis it was a pleasure meeting you in in saratoga springs wow. michael jordan like that's so personalized it doesn't fit right on in someone's collection why do you think that is is it because people like the illusion that they were the first ones to get it i think it turns it from a piece of like high-end collectible memorabilia with with a signature to a gift like oh. if it's personalized it's not like this thing that would sit in a museum it's this thing that would is born to sit in someone's house a one person's house rather than at large the populace's house um, Which is kind of sad. I guess I just have a different perspective with K-pop because it's such a high commodity to have anything yeah. that they touched. Right. Oops. <laughs> that uh, even if it says someone else's name, the fact that you own it. That's all that matters. That's all that yeah, matters. Interesting. That's all that matters. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you because you come from, I don't know if you come from a religious background, but yes. being at like... Religious private schools gave me the sense that like you had a lot to do mm-hmm. with religion growing up, and I don't know where you stand now, but um, it's been weighing on me. Collective effervescence. Have you heard of this? I've, I think I, I've heard the word effervescence, and I've heard the word collective. Yes. I don't know if I'm together. So basically, it's a trend now. I'm a sociology major, and I do research mm-hmm. that this is why people are falling out of religion. Because they're finding more avenues in their lives to experience this collective effervescence oh. that we used to only get in religion. Right. So people have more access to it with sports. They have more access to it with streaming. They have more access to it with concerts. Yeah, yeah. So they're experiencing the same feeling that they would get in religion, but outside of the structures of it. Right. Better Call Saul is their god. Yes. Now. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is 
It makes sense. Amazing. With the rise of like uh, fandom culture. We can all be gods. Yes. (laughs) How it's become its own like Comic-Con used to just be once a year in San Diego, a bunch of comic book like providers and manufacturers like companies would come together with bins at tables in like a recital hall. And now it's become the be all end all pop cultural event of the world that everyone comes to and launch things. Yeah. What's the difference between that and church? Nothing in my book. Yeah. I would say that Comic-Con's more important like and more exciting and a bigger and more special event than a christening or whatever. But I think it definitely is a more special event because yeah. it's limited mm-hmm. and it's more accessible. Yeah. Anybody as well. It's, like it's, a, it's a built-in community of people that all have a baseline agreement on a handful of things. I which, think everyone should have a convention they go to because to recognize... People who are like you, mm-hmm. it is world changing. Especially when you're young. I had that with, uh, so growing up, I, you know, I did theater in school and we would have, in high school, we had this thing called Thespian Conference oh where it was all of, so there's like the International Thespian Society, which is what all high school theater groups what? are under if you're a part, it's an organization you can pay to join. And it's What like do you get? Just accredited? Or? Accredited and you also get perks of like certain, being able to go to this conference, for example, is one of them. I'm sure Utah has, every state has I'm sure a they thespian had board yeah, and yeah. a conference. And then there's the national conference, which is like the whole country, all 50 states come together. We never went to that one. But Missouri Thespians, it was this thing, I was a part of uh, Troop 3833 was our was, was the Nixa High School Shout troop. out 3833. <laughs> That's right. And uh, we would go once a year in January for a Sixth. weekend. Uh, yeah, January 6th. Well, that's a holiday for a different reason. <laughs> uh, we would go every January to this week weekend-long conference where it's like, all theater kids, all high school theater kids wow. and their teachers in this giant like conference center where you do workshops all day with different like professionals and different things. We would always do like the improv workshops and like oh they had a stand up workshop my senior year and that, that I did. And like the guy who ran it was like very encouraging to me. And that was really oh, cool. And cute. Um, we did. It was it was amazing. And it was like. Yeah, the best thing ever because we were this wild group of cartoon characters at our own high school that, but it was like contained to our little bubble of the uh, like the, our little side of the world. But then you go to thespian conference, and it's like Jesus Christ, there's others, there's more of me. Yes, and then, then they're everywhere. Yeah. And we would have this big dance at the end, like it was like oh, this giant like the thescon dance. No. Oh my God, <laughs> that's what? not really what it was about. <laughs> it was really? more of me and my friends. It wasn't. Well, here's the thing. Me and my friends would go to it in costume. We would wear, oh. I would wear a gorilla suit. Uh, my other two friends would wear either a banana suit or a skunk suit. And we were, uh, we, we were more focused on being the life of the party than we were on and causing like, chaos. trying to go after any one person. Truly, that's how you should be. I think Agreed. as a teen, you shouldn't be worried about pulling puss. Nope. But... I mean, I could see you pulling puss in a gorilla suit. Teenage me uh, was also not concerned with that even a little bit. And me in, either. In fact, kind of actively avoided it. Same. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is so beneath me. I yeah. have other shit to be doing. Yeah. But do you think it's beneficial to go to those types of conventions? Because it also 
proves to you you're not unique? Like, or do you think it's oh. more so about like, <laughs> like, oh, there are other people like me and it's okay to be this way? Which, wh- what do you think is? It was definitely the latter, and mm. this is going to come off as seeming so douchey. I love it though. Um, I we never got that sense of like, oh, I'm not unique whenever we were around other theater kids because we were so much better than everyone else um, at the thing. We (laughs) we were the... You were good. We were the best in the state. Our entire... Like, we won... My junior year, we won the Improv Olympics competition, which was the statewide improv-like competition. And then we also took a show. So another component of Thespian Conference was... Every night, so it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, mm-hmm. and every night at the conference there was what was called the the main stage show, which was one of three schools a year got selected to bring either a play or a musical. Out of how many? The like at least fifty like hundreds. Oh, hundreds! Like all of the schools that participated in yeah. the conference or whatever. Yeah, probably maybe two hundred. I don't know exactly wow. how many students. There's like. I think it was like 1,800 students would attend Holy this thing. Shit. So uh, that's like a theater apartment's what, like 30 people. So what, whatever that one per state at least. Be. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> but this is for uh, the state of Missouri. You get three nights. Like basically, the three best shows in the state get picked to come and perform at conference. So my junior year, we were one of the shows that got what? picked. We did a musical called The Drowsy Chaperone. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was in it, and it was my fa- It was so like... Wow. It was the first time I'd ever gone on stage in front of a number of people that the sound of their laughter almost knocked me over. Like, oh it God, felt like that... a physical thing. Oh, <laughs> like, uh, that makes me feel alive. Yeah, like, it was really cool. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. But, so we got... You know, we got picked to be, we were the best main stage show, which is the wow. best. Uh, we, so we were the best of the best shows. We won the uh, Improv Olympics competition, and then we won state that year for what's called, did you, did you guys have Reader's Theater? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We won state for Reader's Theater as well. So wow. it was like, we were the big, we were big You were always swinging. the big dog. Yeah, and also just like for years, my town is famous for its theater department. Yeah. It's like, we win everything, we're the best at everything, we have the best facilities. Like, what hap- Why? Why there? A big part of it is... This man named Bill Townsend, who uh, and our, it's a combination of this guy Bill Townsend, who's who had taught there for like thirty years. He retired two years after I graduated. He was the tech teacher, so we had two theater oh. teachers. We had uh, Miss Fleetwood, who's still there, and Mr. Townsend, who retired. Um, Fleetwood took care of the stuff that happened on stage, like the the acting, the dancing, the singing. Like she ran that end of things, and then Townsend ran the technical side of things. Mm. And Townsend had been there for like 30 years. He knew everybody. Wow. He was the best at his job. Um, and uh, we also were pro- our proximity to Branson uh, right. and his connections in Branson. We had access to like costumes and sets oh. and like certain things that other people didn't have. Um, and they just gave a shit was a big part of it. Yeah, like, that is a huge teachers part that of really it. gave a shit and wanted to make it like its own big thing that stood as a separate department not just like this is like a thing that the english teacher gets forced to do once a year yeah which is what a lot of high school theater programs are unfortunately yes um so it was just the infrastructure of giving a shit and the exposure and the access we had to certain things so like my 
my whole four years there, so the high school that's there now was built in 2000, and the theater department like area there was that this like state of the art they had the, the sound system which always right. still broke down anyway like the stage was built like a community theater stage wow. like the, the, all the stuff was perfect they had a scene shop and like they with a load-in bay for like semi-trucks you could pull up to it holy shit all this stuff which all that's gone now and what? they just they just but here's the thing they built a multi-million dollar performing arts center that seats like over 2,000 people that the high school now uses as it's like oh. Yeah, oh, that's better. Yeah, it's 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 like a, it's like the nicest thing I've ever seen Amazing. Like, at the high school level. But all yeah. that to say, I think conferences are good. <laughs> oh yes, I think they are very very good for a number of reasons, and yeah. that makes so much sense. And it's kind of amazing how just two people can build a yeah. whole thing up like that. That program, well, yeah, it's and it's still there. My brother just graduated high school this past uh, month. And, That's so uh, sweet. Yeah, he, he was in all the plays and musicals, and he, he got to be a part. He his Him and his class had a crazy high school experience because of COVID. Right. And, like, he was yeah. a freshman. Uh, he, his freshman year was normal, then his sophomore year was interrupted, and it's mm. like in junior year, it's masks, and like it's all crazy. Yeah, my um, sister, my youngest sister graduated with the pandemic. Wow. I was, yeah. <laughs> when I was uh, entrenched in the lockdown and everything, I was, uh, I've told this story so many times on the podcast, but uh, I was hanging out with, I was uh, staying with my family that lives in St. Louis. Right. And I had, my cousin Lydia was in sixth grade at the time. Aww. And I was 25. And like, I told my cousin, I was like, we one night I was just like we're kind of the perfect age for this to be happening too because you're not in like even junior high like you're the best parts of the school years for you are ahead of you yeah and it's not getting interrupted and I'm done with school but I also don't have kids or a house to worry about <laughs> totally yeah I agree yeah my sister she didn't care too much um but I think it definitely impacted like experience oh, overall yeah, undoubtedly especially um, your senior year yeah because you get those rose-colored glasses mm-hmm. you kind of like admire every part of the school and, yeah. and the environment you're in this is the last time i'll do this, this yeah, the last yeah. Time I'll and do she this. was the last half was all online wow oh that's brutal but she didn't um, care she yeah. was actually like this is <laughs> amazing. i had my fun <laughs> yeah it's she's like fuck on. this yeah. i can Play video games and sleep mm-hmm. in and all the things. I'll get my work for the week done in two hours. On yeah, the yeah, yeah. She was like, "This is fine, whatever." Yeah. But what what was what were you like in like? So we've we kind of jumped all over it, but like we'll just skip straight into high school. Like mm-hmm. like so like your four years. What was did, like when you were younger? It was like, oh, I'm like kind of a tomboy, like running with the boy. Yeah, but yeah. also kind of. When did you discover like? Were you beta testing who you are now in yeah. high school? Okay. What was yeah. that like? So I started doing theater in like seventh grade. Okay, cool. I was like, oh, I like this. I'm good at this. Yeah. Uh, my theater teachers always loved me. They were the first ones to remember my name. <laughs> <laughs> Sad, but like true. Yeah. And uh, they they liked me enough that like a couple times they kicked everyone else out of the play and centered it around me. <laughs> Like, straight up, we were supposed to do uh, Much Ado About Nothing and Midsummer Night's Dream, and I was Puck, 
in Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> my theater one. teacher was so sick of everybody else. Yeah. She just made it a one-person play. Just Puck prancing around talking about fairies. And, By myself. And, and, and the king and queen. That's yes. <laughs> because she was like, you can handle this. I don't want to deal with anyone else. And wow. so for like two weeks, it was just me on a stage by myself. That's amazing. My parents got so sick of it. They would just drop me off. They stopped coming <laughs> because it was just me. Yeah. Uh, and so then when I got into high school, our high school theater department was pretty elite but mm. there was also a lot of nepotism mm. so like older kids who had family members who had been leads always got the opportunity first interesting yeah um so i like audition i made the play my freshman year which was like things don't like happen mm. like that um and then that's when that high school musical thing happened right would you only do one a year, one show a year? Yeah. Wow, we did three. Because we didn't have the budget, right? Interesting. And, uh, yeah. and unfortunately, when I was there the year before, they had done like Les Mis. And oh, so they so had. That's where the budget yeah. for two years went in. Yep, that. yep. And so for two years, I think the second year I was there, they canceled the play altogether. Wow. So I kind of had to pivot. I was like, yeah. I. What a terrible high school show, Les Mis. Oh my god, it's so depressing. <laughs> and it's and like not you can't you can't connect to this material at n- all as, as a, a teenager. Kid, no, yeah. no, 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 no. It was it was weird that they did that, but you know, whatever. Mm. Um our theater teacher was okay. Our music teacher was weird. Yeah. <laughs> she was the one I don't know if you were there when I said she had secret sleepovers with <laughs> like an elite group of kids. What? Yeah. Like oh, no. Yeah. They would all sleep in the same bed. What? And they would brag about it. They'd come and be like, oh, me and we were at Mrs. Kirby's last night. Sorry, we like got to hang out and have pizza for dinner. And I'm like, was she in the bed with them? Yes. I shook my head. Fuck. Yeah. But like everyone's like, it's fine because she's a mom. And I'm like, no, this is weird. (laughs) This is weird. And yeah. And like. They were, it was just this weird cultish group, right? Like it's weird. It sounds like they were eating pizza and yeah. playing footsie. With the music teacher. Did this woman ever face a jury? Like, no, she should. Did, that's insane. She's the worst, dude. And like when I auditioned, <laughs> when I auditioned after High School Musical, the musical in high school, I auditioned for the next year's play. Yes. And they, I didn't get in. And they would do this thing where they're like, if you don't get in, come to the office and we'll talk to you about why you didn't get in. Oh, it was brutal, brutal right? Yeah. And so I went and they, they told me, we love your acting. You're great on stage. You didn't get into the play because we have older kids who haven't been in, who need an opportunity before they graduate. Yeah. You didn't get into the musical because you need singing lessons. And I was like, cool i'm mm. not doing this shit anymore like i wow. i sort of gave it up then i was like wow. i don't want to be a part of this weird cult i don't like these adults i don't yeah and so i was kind of lost for a second and then my friends were like do you want to go to disneyland on a school trip i was like yeah that sounds great and they're like well we're writing this 30 page paper and we're the only ones in this category so we're definitely gonna win and go it was DECA. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, okay. I yeah. was going to say, what the fuck are you talking about? A 30-page yeah. paper. How yeah. is this trans... Okay. Business cool, cool. and marketing. Yes, yes. In high I, school. I knew all about this. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and my friends were like, we need a girl 
we know you. Yeah. Can you do this? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I can fucking do this. And it was all just like presenting and writing, which yeah. I could do both of those things really well. Yeah. So I took these two boys and our trio and we went to Disneyland the first year because we did make it to nationals. Mm-hmm. To go and present bullshit. Yeah. yeah it's absolutely. so weird because it was back in the day before like people had laptops and iPads and stuff. So we had to print out our presentations oh, on yeah. a flip chart. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's how we presented. We'd go into these halls mm-hmm. in business suits <laughs> like little adults yep. and go and present to adults and be like, this is why we think entrepreneurship is important in mm-hmm. our community. <laughs> And I was just like, I want to go to Disneyland. I've mm. never been. This is for the trip. This is for the I don't trip. I care about all this shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then for my senior year, we went to Atlanta, which was oh god, <laughs> wild, but still so fun. Yeah. I realized I really love Atlanta and I love Waffle House. That was the first experience uh, I had there. We had multiple in my town. We did it. We were, I was... The first time I ever got drunk, I was taken to a Waffle House. That seems like a christening. It was amazing. Itself. Yeah. It was thrown into the back of a van and driven with no seatbelt yes. on rolling around in the back. When was the first time you got drunk? Was my, it when you were 21 or before? It was before. It was my freshman year of college. Fuck yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't touched the stuff because I was just like in high school, me and my friends, and this is the lamest thing. It was like- No, I, I was a don't do drugs kind of kid. Yeah. Like, our, well, our argument was like, we're, we have too much fun already. <laughs> like, like we, we're having more fun than we know what to do with. Why? Yeah. Like, we, we, it was like, we really thought it was like, oh, boring people need that stuff. Oh, that's like, really cool, actually. Yeah. I think that's cool. I was nerdier. I was on this underage prevention coalition. Oh, so you, <laughs> you were a cop. <laughs> no, I just was going to city councils and saying, uh-huh. this is a problem and we need funding to put... Uh, posters up that say yeah no underage drinking i yeah. was a total narc for a while mm-hmm. and then because i thought it looked good on a resume for college and, and then i found did. out it's all bullshit yeah well i if you dig hard enough you'll find my face in a bunch of uh, missouri psas to, to kids to say stay safe and sober on prom night oh i did, a, I did an ad campaign as I like love the, it. the face of it for I love for it. a year uh i i listened to the podcast where you talked about the dare program oh yeah and i was laughing so hard because i won an award for a paper i wrote about how stupid it is to smoke cigarettes yeah oh good yeah yeah and i got a coin from the cop and all that (laughs) shit and literally like now i'm like the biggest pothead Uh and love acid (laughs) like acid yeah (laughs) i do it's like because growing up in utah it was always even like smoking and drinking was like (gasps) yeah you're a bad person yeah and so you heard even worse things about like mushrooms and acid Mm -hmm. the stuff that actually alters your yeah yeah and then you come to la and it's like I have friends that microdose acid every day. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm like, what? They're at work on it. Yeah. You can do that. And they're That's like, it's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. I've never done any of that. Never touched the stuff. Never, never done like an alter, like any psychedelic anything. Yeah. Is there a reason? Are you? I think I would die. <laughs> I, oh. I think I would have a horrible time and a I horrible trip. Even a mini, even a little. Dose? I don't think even a little bit. I think I would. 
the 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 way I the the, the way things work up here is so specific <laughs> that I think because uh, I hear like there's this guy from my hometown that he was a weird guy to begin with he was the type of guy that like could do this stuff all the time yeah but apparently one time he took a little bit and was at, at a party. And he was sitting around and everybody just kind of like he like went off and sat in a corner by himself, just kind of like looking down blankly and like had his his eyes closed at one point. Uh-oh. And like an hour later, they go and they wake the guy up and they like shake him awake. And he's like, he just like opens his eyes and is like, 10 years, <laughs> 10 years. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, I was, I was in there for 10 years. Oh my God. I just had. He had had a, such a powerful like response to this like that substance he time traveled that he felt like he experienced ten years in yeah. like an hour and a half, and I'm like I wouldn't come back from that. You <laughs> so. know that's valid, and I, I yeah. the people I have like I'm saying I love acid done it only twice in my life, uh-huh. and I the people I've done it with I've told them these deep fears that I have because yeah. for the context you know about me is like. My dad is mentally ill and severely yes. so. Yes. And that's a big fear of mine is like, what if I accidentally do a psychedelic that unlocks that part of my brain? Yeah. And I can't come back from it. And that's why I've never done like really more than just microdosing because yeah. I don't, I just want to feel giggly right. and present. Yeah. And that's all that I've ever experienced with it is like huh. giggles and being fully present. And that like when I've had, problems when mm-hmm. i've been tripping the people i'm with are there to take care of me and yeah. I, that's like been my biggest if i do any drugs or drinking because mm-hmm. like when i was in chicago i got roofied oh jesus yeah, yeah. and yeah. it was only because like i got out of the situation because like men tried to get me into a car like all this crazy <sighs> jesus shit Christ. kingston mines oh my go god i know it well yeah yeah Oof. A it's a place. cool bar it's a cool bar, bad but place. I got yeah. the drink from the bartender. Oh my god, that was going around there for a while. It was, was a Friar yeah. Tux had a similar thing. Yes, because yeah. when I when I like tried to report it to the police and called the bar after it happened to me, mm-hmm. they were like, "Happens all the time." Yeah, and but anyways, what I was gonna say is like even then, like when I got roofied and got away, I passed out in the bathroom because it hit me so quickly. Mm-hmm. But it was my friends that noticed I was missing. Yeah. That were able to, like, find me. Right. Call the ambulance. Say to the doctors, like, she doesn't act like this. This isn't normal. Mm -hmm. Like, we've seen her blackout drunk and she doesn't pass out. Like Something's wrong. Something's wrong. And, yeah, I think whenever you do anything where you alter your state of mind. Yeah. You should have good people around you. Agreed. Yeah, you could really get messed up. Yeah, uh, Kingston <laughs> Mines. And now they have that serial killer going around Chicago. There's a serial killer in Chicago? Yes. And it's, it's the same. Like, it's scary because it's a similar situation to what I experienced when I was roofied there. Mm-hmm. Literally, they, it's like a guy or a group of guys. They start talking to a man or woman. Mm-hmm. And then... They drug them and they get them in a car, and then a week later, their body's found. That's yeah, yeah. And it happened so quick. Like, yeah, I I was twenty two, twenty three, so I wasn't like super new to drinking. Yeah, but I had been ordering the same drink 
Mm-hmm. And so when I went to the bartender and they already had it pre-made, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't uh, think like this is a bad sign. Yeah. I, I just like took it from them. Yeah. Took a sip. Immediately I was like something's wrong. Wow. I took because it was sitting all at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Did crazy. You, did you go to college in Chicago? No. Where did you go to college? University of Utah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I y- did not graduate. Y- UU. UU. <laughs> I always do the U sign, and then people who like Florida get mad at me. Yeah, from Miami. Yeah, Miami's the U. Yeah, and I'm like, but on the West Coast, it's the University of Utah. Yeah. When you say the U on the West Coast. That's what it is. That's what it is. What did you study? Sociology. Okay, so you were a sociology major. Yeah. Didn't graduate undergrad. How far did you make it? Uh, Three years. Okay. And then I got a job in Chicago. Oh. So I was working for Discover Card. Mm-hmm. Went from like their in-house call center research to mm-hmm. their corporate research. Mm. And so they paid for me to move to Chicago. And wow. Yeah, it was like a dream come true. I was so excited. I had been uh, working really hard to get it. Yeah. And I was like... Yeah, I'll, I'll finish school. That uh, I know a guy whose dad was a higher up at Discover Card. Oh yeah, in I'm Chicago. sure. His last name is Tort. Oh, don't know. Okay, his dad was a part of the team that like helped create the chip. Oh like yeah, the, so he would have been on like the network side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I worked on like the other side, which okay. was more like marketing, banking, product, De- Deca stuff. Yeah, <laughs> the Deca. Stuff. It is really crazy to me how. Deca followed me through life. Yeah. And <laughs> ain't that just the way? <laughs> That's just how it happens. I just wanted to go to Disneyland, but then yeah. all of a sudden I'm doing that as my like profession. And yeah. At what yeah. point did comedy come into all this? I've always loved comedy. Uh-huh. Uh, it's always been, I've always been a storyteller, always loved theater. But when I was in Chicago, I was really like going to shows. That was what I did mm-hmm. by myself because yeah. I, I lived close to. Zanies. Okay. Yeah. And so I would go to shows every weekend by myself and just wow. like I was a huge comedy fan. Yeah. Before I got into stand up myself. And uh-huh. I, I don't know if you experienced something similar, but I had so many people just telling me, like, You're good at this, you should do it. You like it. You I love listening to you. You should get on stage. Yeah. And then right before the pandemic, like twenty nineteen when I as when I started going to open mics. That's cool. What mics in did Chicago? you go to? Uh, so because I worked at Discover, I would ping pong between, um, Zanies and everything in between that to Deerfield. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> because there was open mics close to my work that I would leave work and mm-hmm. go to in Deerfield, which is out in the suburbs. Yep. To then like. Deerfield Mall. Yeah. <laughs> to then like Wicker Park. And mm-hmm. I don't even remember what this one was called, but it was inside like a poetry cafe in lincoln square i don't know it was only i really was like so new when i was doing it i was probably doing it like once a month yeah. twice a month yeah, because gotcha. i was so nervous i didn't tell anybody i was doing it because i didn't want anyone to show up like, yeah, you didn't want any expectation yeah it's like, I was, this is an experiment that yes, i'm doing yeah yeah, yeah 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 and then i really like enjoyed it i enjoyed that feeling of being on stage mm-hmm. telling stories um, and then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And it was kind of like, do I want to stay in Chicago? Or And so I was debating on New York or L.A. Mm-hmm. And it really came down to, I never want to see the fucking snow again. And Amen. chose L.A. Yeah. 
And I, I did. I quit Discover without having another job. Wow. Cashed out my 401k and moved to L.A. <laughs> Damn. W- without another job. Damn. Because I was like, if I die tomorrow, what will I regret the most? Mm-hmm. And it was like not trying. Yeah. And That's amazing. So now I'm here. I think right. I got here like six months after you. Like mm-hmm. you yeah. came end of 20. 20- I got here July 2020. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a year after you. Yeah. I, I got here July 2021 amazing yeah Yeah. and then the first six months were really lonely yeah (laughs) yeah were you here without avery or did you know anybody i didn't have avery but i had my other two roommates okay and i knew a a bunch of people from college because i was an acting major so all the people that i went to college with moved here right after and i was the weirdo that moved to chicago uh so why was that weird wait just can i go pee and then yeah yeah we'll, we'll take a quick pause yeah and we're back, folks. Um, so you were saying you had acting, made your friends out here. Yeah, I had friends out here. And it, it was a very, like, the transition was weird because it was mid-2020. So, like, right. everything was completely shut down. Um, but, you know, we made it work. Yeah. I mm. uh, I think I got here as things started to open. Yeah, that early 2020, like, early to mid-2021 was when it really started to blossom, because L.A. stayed closed longer than most places. Right. Um, <coughs> but, uh, yeah, me and my friend Caleb, we moved here around the same time, and, uh, well, at the exact same time, I put all my boxes on his moving truck. He was, oh, he was yeah. kind enough to, because we moved, we went to college together, then we went to Chicago together, Aww. lived there, and then we moved here at the same time, but we lived separately. Um, Why did you guys choose to go to Chicago when others went to L.A.? So that was because of comedy. Like mm. I realized pretty early on in my like college acting career, I was like, I'm really only into this for the comedy stuff. And really? I think I'm, I was a comedian in an acting program. Ah. Like I, what I learned there was invaluable. Right. Um, just like, cause I think acting, what I've taken away from my, like act, my four years studying acting was it's really a, uh, I got a degree in mastering my own creativity, like in learning my own POV and like putting myself into things and like being able to to do that in like a, with a structure. Um, Very, very important that it takes people years to figure out. Yes. It was a lot, a lot of rolling around on the floor, breathing into different parts of my body in the dark at eight in the morning, like wearing all black clothes. Like, like I'm barely getting into that. I just took my first clown class. Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) It's uh yeah, I don't know. There's something about it, but yeah, Chicago, it was like, because, you know, I, we did improv in college. Uh, I started doing stand up when I was 18. Wow. And improv even earlier. And um, so I've been doing improv since I was like 13 years old, wow. basically. And so I, me and my friend ran the improv team at our college. And we were like, Chicago is the perfect place for us. Like, we want right. to go to Second City and I.O. And, and yeah. do that whole thing. Um, so that's why we moved to Chicago first. And then Makes sense. Caleb and I moved out here together, but separate. Um, what made you come to L.A.? It just made the most sense. Like the most, it's the place with the most opportunity. Yeah, and the best you just <laughs> like you just have the access here. Yes, like Chicago, I think has a better scene for comedy and like standards. Yes, and cool people. Yeah, but just the access that you get in LA is unbeatable. Exactly. It's just a matter of time in this city before you get something. I think. 
Yeah, it's, it's that's the thing is, you know, there are people in Chicago that I look up to as that I was like, I felt like I was a freshman when they were seniors, basically, like in yeah. the comedy world where I'm like, you're hilarious. And if you would just leave this city, you could be a household name. But yeah. some people just don't want that. Some people, their dream was to get a nice nine to five and a in a career path that they don't hate and have their shows on their nights and weekends. And, that's, and I admire them for that, you know, yeah. and it's like there's a space for them. There's places for that. Mm-hmm. And they should stay there if that's yes. <laughs> if that's all that they want. And that's cool, too. I agree. It's just the people who complain. Mm-hmm. being in the scenes and it, and i've heard from other older performers that have spent time in that city thinking it was going to get them something and then they move out here and they're like damn i wasted time yeah in chicago like i have so many friends who were in chicago for decades doing improv and stand-up with hannibal burris you know yeah, they were yeah. in the <laughs> same class and league as him but where he branched out and started touring, they stayed, mm-hmm. and now their league's behind him, and and they feel like, how can I catch up? Yeah, they want to do their bar show, and that's yeah. it. And yeah, I don't know. And also, Chicago has got a real problem with gatekeeping. Yes, um, that the, was what I felt there too. Yeah, the gate and the gatekeepers there are worse than the ones here because yeah. there's no; those people are sick. In a way that it's not even, they're not gatekeeping a thing that leads to uh, money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're gatekeeping an idea. Yes. Like that's, that's a true psychotic, like, like sort of endeavor. Yeah. I think. Did you see Sarah Schaefer's one woman show or last year? Sarah Schaefer. I did not know. It's, I just think about it a lot because it's all based off of figurines because she loves figurines, but mm-hmm. also the structure of comedy. Yeah. And she uses the stool as a metaphor and she's like, you start out on this bottom rung as like a comedy fan. And then as you climb and one of the characters that she talks about is a Jeff. Mm -hmm. And those are the people who gatekeep festivals, access to rooms, access to time. And all these different Jeffs have different standards, (laughs) different reasons why they do it. Like you're never going to be able to please every Jeff because they all have different reasons and want to gatekeep for different, and it, and it's sad when it's for no reason. Yeah, I had such a hard time finding community in Chicago, mm-hmm. and then I come out here and it was like instantaneous almost. Yes, and I think the reason for that is you were trying to break into the stand-up community in Chicago, yeah. which is very guarded and very like closed off, and th- which you know I've 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 I was a part of it, and I love the people there and all that stuff, but it of is course. a little pr- it's pricklier and a little little meaner. Whereas the improv and sketch scene in Chicago is like a treehouse where everyone's playing pretend and inviting you to climb up the ladder and join in. And why I think my theory as to why the stand up scene in LA is similar to that is because a lot of people who do stand up in LA started doing improv in Chicago and then moved here and realized, well, there's not much improv to do. I might as well try this stand up thing out because I never did it back there because the stand ups in Chicago were scary and I didn't want to hang out with them because I'm like just kind of a theater kid. (laughs) Whoa, that is a brilliant, brilliant therapy, er, thesis therapy. Brilliant therapy. It is thesis, though, because, yeah, like even the stand ups I meet who came up in Chicago and they've moved out here, Mm -hmm. 
they don't want anything to do with the community. Yeah, it's and I'm guilty of that a little bit just because no, of, you're not bad at it. I'm not that bad. I, it's it's I have this thing where I am a little too competitive about stuff sometimes, mm. and so. And also, I think I got a lot of the kumbaya out of my system yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. So now it's like, oh, do you guys want to go to this thing or whatever? And I was like, no, I really don't. Like, I don't. <sighs> I, like, I don't want to stick around. I don't. Like, I don't think you need to. No, and I, I don't know. Sometimes I, I worry it comes off as like me being like a just a prick. No, but <laughs> I would say from the outside, absolutely not, because mm-hmm. you're not a prick any other time. Like. True. There are people, plenty of people that don't do the hang. Yeah. But when you see them, they're still welcoming and warm. And that is like still part of community. And yeah. I think you're one of those people. Like maybe you're not. I don't think. And I should learn some lessons from you in that sense that like I don't need to say hello to everybody. Yeah. But the ones that I want to, I can engage with right. and build that connection with. Yeah. Um. I have a bad habit of just like looking people in the eye and saying hello out of obligation. Uh And which makes you a great host. (laughs) Yes. But also makes me get into sticky situations where people follow me that I don't want anything to do with. Yeah. That's another part of it for me is I'm like, there's, there's a category of person who is attracted to this line of, of, of of lifestyle that I'm like, Oh, you aren't even, we're not even on the same planet. You and I, I look you in the eyes and I see darkness and I I want nothing to do with you, (laughs) which is funny. There was a situation that happened a few weeks back that I, I remember, uh, you dealing with where it was this thing where this guy was kind of banned from a space and, uh, you handled it very well, and I maybe I was, I was thinking. Well, I was thinking about this literally today. I was walking around, um, and I was like, I think there's something to having somebody that is just like, because the way that you de-escalated the situation was just with facts, yeah, and, and just like, like here's how it is, here's how it's gonna be. That's that. And that's that, 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 that. Yeah. And that, t- the type of person that you did it to, like, had I tried to do that. He would have hurt you. Yeah. He would have tried to punch me. That's, like, <laughs> we were so worried about Uriah. You, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if you saw it, but he was like staring him down. I had to step in between them. Oh, I did not see that. Because no. he was going to, cl- like, he wanted to hit him. Yeah. But I, and I could sense it. So that's why I was like, yeah. I stepped in between. Yeah, it's it's in those interpersonal situations where I'm like that 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 is a superpower to be able to like deescalate in that way. <laughs> Thank Which, you. And it's like <laughs> it reminded me of that one night where we were at, at Glendale Room and that man in the front row uh, heckled immediately, <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm I'm glad he did it to me <laughs> because oh. had he done it to some kid that was his first time, like or like. I've never really been in front of an audience before, like, and... and, and Destroy him. Yeah, and, you know, That's whatever. what makes it nice to have you and Avery in that space, because we, we get simultaneously, in my opinion, some of the best comics in the scene right now, and then brand, brand new people, who yeah. are, it's their very first time ever doing stand-up, mm-hmm. and they get so intimidated, because we have big hitters like you... Who come in like, I'm the fucking shit. You make everybody laugh and then you leave. And they're like, what? Like, how do I do that? And 
uh i have to remind people over and over again like this is an open mic yeah. like it's okay <laughs> if you try new stuff and you don't get a laugh like yeah. even though it feels like a show quote mm-hmm. me and alina don't even call it a show but we see people post and tag it like it's a show yeah and it, we're like, what the fuck? That's, like, that's part of why I got, it's the only mic I still do. I stopped. Yeah, you don't need to. I stopped doing mics entirely like over a year ago. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm just ready for this portion of my journey to be done. Like. Totally. I can just go and just try to find a spot to do if I need to work on something. Or. Because yeah. in my opinion, the open mic is a function of, it's a place where you need to go to get good at coming up with material for yourself and get comfortable in front of an audience. Yep. And I know how to do both of those things. So very like kind of egotistically, I was like, I really don't want to do these anymore. I'll just do a spot on a show. Yeah. And we'll do that. And then Avery just was fucking in my ear about like, this place is awesome. It doesn't feel like a mic. It's so close to our house. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I am getting really good feedback on stuff. And like, it, I'm, I'm working out new bits and things. And so, yeah, it's, it's, and it's that, that testament is like shared among, there's a lot of people who are like door guys at this comedy store that yeah. go to the Glendale room that you wouldn't even know because it's, it's like, yeah, we, one, one week we had like three JFL comics yeah. who were about to tour and, and then, like, some Disney star that's starting to get... Mm-hmm. Like, I had no fucking idea who they are. Yeah. But it's like, it when people are hanging out and being like, oh my god, they're here. And it's like, great, great. We feel great. Because that's not why we're doing it. Right, yeah. Like, we're not doing it to create the, the space for those people. Mm-hmm. We're trying to create space for, like, our friends who want to work new bits. Yeah. And truly for women and people of color to have a space that's safe because that's what me and Alina, we became friends on an open mic Mm -hmm. and then that's, we were kind of like accountability buddies. We went to like, I think we went to two mics every day for like six months. Like me and her were grinding for a while. We almost killed it for both of us. We were like, there was a minute where we were like, (laughs) I can't fucking stand going to open mics. Like, especially in LA. Because yeah. we would go to open mics and be the only women in the room or like just listening to the worst type of comedy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, open mics in L.A., uh, if you're experienced and talented like you are, why the fuck are you wasting your time there? Like, there's no reason. It's just. I was going to uh, ask you, do you go to any of the big. I know you hang out at the comedy store mm-hmm. and that's for another reason. Like, there's cool people there. Yeah. It's kind of like great networking Mm -hmm. but do you go to any of the other mics uh like laugh factory or improv to get booked i i haven't spent much time at the improv um there for a while i was going to the laugh factory Mm. once a week every week um because long story short this comic who was doing a show at this club that i'm like basically lived at there for a while and i'm the kind purple. of uh, yeah the, the, the haha oh, um, oh i was like do you say it <laughs> the purple yeah uh i'm just in a weird place with them right now but it's, it. It, everybody gets into a weird place with them and it's all gonna circle back and around and be normal. every place because yes, exactly. we all have weird shit with all of them exactly but. but basically this thing happened where this person was like i run a show at the laugh factory mm. i was working as a door guy at the haha which also until in like that included wor- working the dj booth and playing music between yeah uh sets and uh 
they were like, hey, do you want to come and do this for my show at the Laugh Factory? Oh. And I'll get you on. Like, like you can like do some time on the show every now and then, like all this stuff. And that turned into, uh, no, you're just the music guy. Like, like, what are you talking about? We told you you can do a set. And also, it's like... Uh, shitty. Yeah, just it, it was a really shitty situation, and I hated the person. <laughs> like, I and I, and uh, like me a few years ago would have just kind of like stayed in it and be like, oh, I'm so oh, I'm gonna climb the ladder. But I was like, fuck you. Like, I'm, yeah. no, I'm done, and this isn't like you're not gonna take advantage of me like this. You like, have I'm, to I'm, be like that, right? Yeah, it's it's stupid, but um. So yeah, I I would like to spend a little bit more time maybe at the Improv and the Laugh Factory than I do, but it's also one of those things where. I like going to the comedy store because I've got I've got friends that work right. there. It's like the place. Like it's yeah. fun. I like sitting in the back and watching the thing and all the the fucking bullshit that we yeah. all listen to the podcast and read the books and it's like oh you did you know in this yeah. room is where Richard Pryor died or whatever. It feels uh, magic. Yeah, it it does. And but also Chicago taught me to not worship a building. Uh, which is super important like so that's why i'm a little let like i in chicago i really let io hurt me like i Uh. i i tried to be a part of the io world and they didn't want any part of me basically and that really fucked me up for a long time yeah it'll rip you up inside yeah so i'm i've learned not to like just kind of beg outside the doors of big places like it's like well they'll I'll, I'll be there when i'm there and they'll be lucky to have me basically is, is exactly the mentality. you know it's it's a partnership it's like it's a cool building with a cool stage that brings in people but without the people who are on the stage it's kind of nothing it's just like yeah a, it's a very poorly laid out restaurant yep <laughs> and it can easily close like yeah. that's the that's also what chicago taught me is like mm-hmm. getting attached to a building or an organization you could have it ripped out from underneath you overnight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, look at the ice house. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's only barely opening. And that was the oldest stand up club in the West coast for a while. And it closed. Yeah. Basically indefinitely. Indefinitely. (laughs) And then only recently has started promoting shows again. Friday and Saturdays only. Exactly. Because it's still hard to, and I don't know if it's true, Again, allegedly, but mm-hmm. uh, Flappers has been on the verge of closing for the last year. Yeah, I and mean, they and it, when you look at their fucking audience, it looks like that. Yeah, they can't get big sold out shows. No, and, and it's, it's they're running that institution into the ground. And it's becoming it's a the symptom. These are all symptoms of this problem that, in my opinion, happened post pandemic where. What have what has become of these LA comedy clubs is there used to be a culture here with the clubs with 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 the major league clubs like the big three over mm-hmm. the hill in Hollywood and the minor league teams in, <laughs> in the valley. Yeah, yeah. The idea was to nurture young talent yes. to build up and and make into people that people want to come see. Post pandemic all these places were closed for a year and a half, two years. They don't give a fucking shit about giving the best guy who kills, who's been killing at the open mic for nine months, a spot. Nope. We need a guy that has a lot of Instagram followers. that's going to sell tickets like, and and that's, but then you go to these shows, right? You go to these fucking shows with these people who have the followings. They have the quote unquote sets Mm -hmm. and it's the worst show in 
the town. Yeah, it's like poor, it's, these, ba- it's bad jokes and it's yeah, crowd work. <laughs> and it's yeah, it's bad jokes. It's crowd work. It's jokes that you've seen on Twitter for the last five years, <laughs> and the same fucking people saying the same fucking things. And yep. and that's what upsets me. And I hate the lies because I wish that they would be more transparent about what you're saying, which yeah. is. We have to make money right now, so we're focusing on people who can bring in money. Yep. Whereas, like, there was a town hall recently at one of the big three, mm-hmm. and they blew smoke up everybody's ass who was there. Oh, yeah. They all they were like, this. if you come to the mics, we're taking notes, and, you know, there's so many comics, we have to just, like, see you ten times before we remember you. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's a lie. Mm-hmm. Because I've gone to the last six months of the women's mic at the improv mm-hmm. and the booker's not there. Yeah, they're never there. And when and they are there, they're not paying attention. No. <laughs> and that's where I'm like, don't lie to us. Don't say that this is how we get it when it's not true. Yep. And then when I do talk to the people who appear to be getting it right now, mm-hmm. all the things that they tell me is like, I only got this opportunity because I've been cultivating my friends and our opportunities within our community. Yeah. Like, if you want a show, keep putting on your friends, keep putting on good shows, and eventually it'll happen. Yeah. And it's like, it's so shitty to wait for that, but... You gotta. You gotta, because, like, you're somebody who's doing everything. Everything right. Everything. Yeah. You have the talent. You have uh, the brand. You have the different avenues. You're a singer. You're an actor. You're a stand-up. You write. Like... It's people like you that it upsets me the most because you should be on those improv shows. You should be at the store. Yeah. And I'm not saying this for any other reason other than I truly believe it. Well, I appreciate that. And and that's why I totally understand why you're like, I don't need to be at open mics because you don't. You're not an open micer. You're yeah. past that. Yeah. And it's just I think we're in a weird because we had to all like stop. <laughs> right. And now things are kind of like trying to get back on track. Yeah. But then there's a writer strike and it's just the economy. It's everything. And I think we just have to keep training because in the next few years, those opportunities will come back. Yeah. And then we'll be ready for it. I think so. I think so. And it's like me personally, I'm in a place where it's almost a the the way the L.A. thing works is because the, the, we were talking about the gatekeepers in Chicago and how yeah. their whole that, that that whole can of worms is almost crazier than the one here. But yes. the one here is it's a bunch of guys, almost exclusively guys, yep. who are on the wrong side of thirty-five to forty that have watched everyone around them get successful yeah. and make all this money, and they're still doing the same three showcase shows and mics and no real career trajectory at all. And they see a young person starting to climb up the ladder that is already better than they are, and they're half the person's age. And they and they go fuck no, fuck no, fuck, and they just start kicking yes down the ladder. And those are the, sadly also the people that are booking a lot of these yes. shows that are, allow you to get up to the next level. So the only way to circumvent that is to either walk through their bullshit and just kind of fight through it, or, or build get an your audience own ladder. exactly. You and have to, to get go your own ladder. Them. Yeah, 
that you build with your friends. Yep. You have to manufacture yourself. You have to find the wood. You have to find the saw. That's right. You need friends to help. <laughs> find the saw. Yeah, exactly. We're, yeah. we're building our own fucking ladder. Mm-hmm. And that's what me and Alina, my co-host, have yeah. done. Because we were like, it, we can't play their games. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want us in their game. Mm-hmm. Like, me and Alina went... I was in a fourth wall documentary. Did oh, you know this? I did not know. Yeah, I, it was too <laughs> late. We need another beer, but it was too late. I got there because I emailed all the posts online was like, we're creating a documentary about the L.A. comedy scene. If you want to be in it, email us. So I emailed like, I'm a female comic in L.A. I have a list of open mics not to go to. Yeah. I can tell you what's not safe and where you will want to quit doing comedy if you go there or yeah. where you should be wait like wasting your time but yeah, where you yeah. should be no, you yeah. know and so i go there and i thought it was just gonna be like general mm-hmm. everyone else there was a fourth wall comic yeah and i was like oh fuck whoops <laughs> i'm about to get the villain ed- edit uh-huh. but i didn't they gave ian ira russo the villain edit oh good and he was actually really mad but <laughs> but fourth wall is one of those like an institution in la where if you are first coming here, you're told, go to fourth wall, you'll get a feel for the scene, grind it out there, and that's how you go on to the next. We were going to fourth wall. We went to every single fourth wall in L.A. County. Mm-hmm. They're all shitholes. <laughs> yeah. They're all mostly men mm-hmm. who aren't paying attention. Nobody cares who else is there. They don't give a fuck to yep. listen to each other. Um, and especially if you're a woman, they're not going to laugh. It doesn't matter how funny you are or what you have to say. They're, in fact, going to hold in laughter, even if you are funny. And uh, we went to an audition, mic where there was three spots for the upcoming show. And we went with mostly women. And there was mostly women there and three men. We brought one of the men. Mm -hmm. Not a single woman got booked for that show. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're telling me. Of the 13 comics that are here and three spots, not one woman was funny enough to get booked on your show. Mm-hmm. Not true. No. I don't even care if it's me. I know that there's other funny women in that room that you're just, I don't know if it's that they're aware of it mm-hmm. or it's like internalized and they don't recognize that they're purposely not picking women. I don't know what it is. Either way, it's like, well, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then when you try to explain this to people, they're like, well, obviously it's not because of that. And you're like, but what is it then? (laughs) If 13 comics are there and 10 of them are women. Yeah. (laughs) And the three spots go to the three men who are there. Yeah. That's kind of like pretty obvious. Yeah, I ain't too good at math, but uh, I ain't dumb. (laughs) Exactly. I'm not a maths major but a math scientist yeah (laughs) yeah i mean it sucks it's it's weird been bad that it's still happening but it's a it's a symptom of the people who are running a lot of these places are jaded failed uh professionals in their own right at it and so they they're coming at it that's why that was a big part part of my issue with io is 
the people I wanted to be on a Herald team more than anything. These fuckers, the Herald, the long form improv yeah. fucking format. And I wanted to be on a Herald team so bad. And guess what? The Herald Commission are all people who are currently doing improv at IO and have been for a long time. And it's like, oh, a bunch of a, a jury of my peers that are all fucking losers are the right. ones that are in charge of me. And of course, they're not going to let somebody who's already getting more laughs than they are yeah. come through. They want kind of the quiet person that, or, or the interesting person that they can kind of just bulldoze over. I could go on for hours about that. I love it. But I won't. <laughs> I also want to ask you, yeah, what do you want to do long term? What's your dream? Like, do you want to write for TV? I, I heard on, on an older episode, or maybe it was just the last episode, you were saying you used to think that you like got your own TV show or became mm-hmm. a beloved character and that's how you became a stand-up. Yes. Is that still your dream? Do you still want to be someone who gets like a role that you can personify that people love and then transition into long term like stand up success? Or do you do you find yourself more like a writer and a creator in that sense? Like, where is your heart? Yeah, no, I don't want to play in anybody else's playground anymore. Oh, I, I like that. Yeah, I think YouTube is the future of Ooh. things. And my experience in the YouTube world has kind of uh, solidified that. Yeah. So my dream would be to have a YouTube channel that has a decent following uh, that is monetized that I can live off of and uh, be in charge of the whole thing, have a team of people that edit it and do that one up. But I it's see. like, it's my, I'm writing it. It's my brain on it. I'm in the videos. So, so then wanna, you can do sketch. You can do yeah, everything. It's like what I'm doing right now on YouTube. Just right. A lot of sketches, a lot of comedy stuff. Um, I love it. Have like, so I want to have my YouTube channel. I want to have this podcast or a, a, maybe a different iteration or version of this, of a podcast that a lot of people like and listen to and then also tour and do stand-up so it's like Ah. i want to have my own little tv network with my youtube channel and have my own little broadcast radio show with my podcast and then i want to go out and hit the road and see the people beautiful that's my dream life that's kind of what kevin hart's done right like he made his own he built his actual comedy network yeah and but i definitely agree with you i think youtube is the future i don't even watch like youtube is my primary entertainment not just for k-pop but i love commentator videos Mm -hmm. i love what the watcher boys have been doing with Mm -hmm. their network and channel they're all paranormal and and all that and i love your channel too you're one of the only stand-ups that i see regularly creating yeah in general but also like specifically on youtube and i know that that's where the money is and that i think I've been told multiple times recently, like, YouTube is how you create your audience. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. is it? Because I, I think long-term audience, yes. Yeah. I think TikTok is quick-hit audience. Yes. YouTube is a community building. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You, YouTubers have followings that feel like a com- there's a community of people that are in love with them and they're... It feel they feel like they're your friend. Oh yeah. Whereas tic- I feel that TikTok is like there's maybe three or four people that have ever gotten that. And it's like the D'Amelio sisters, Addison yeah. Ray, like that. It, there's no community on TikTok. TikTok it's so quick. Which granted, I'm primarily a shorts creator right now on YouTube, but that's just because 
that is the current trend and that's how you speed run the platform right now and to that's build you up your money. subscribers is to do shorts and because long form the long term the long form content that i want to make requires a lot more effort than i can in bandwidth than i have right now um but the shorts are going to build to a point where i will be able to because i'm i'm uploading two shorts a day every which day. is <laughs> so, so fucking it's, hard it's like it's a lot yeah. that's a whole part that i mean i know you've talked about it on the podcast before like the whole clips industry portion yes. of stand-up but what people don't realize is that's so fucking time consuming mm-hmm. to actually get like to edit a good clip to edit it down to make sense yeah. to and then for you to do like full sketches and shorts is a whole other avenue like morgan J, he has a whole production team that he pays for his shorts his stand-up yeah. shorts yeah because that's the level that he's at but also because that's the effort that you have to put into mm-hmm. these fucking clips. Can't look like shit anymore. No, like. and that, yeah, I mean, fuck, like it's great that we have David at our mm-hmm. open mic, but why the fuck do we have to have David at our open mic? Because your iPhone's not good enough anymore. Yeah, it's like, gonna be a DSLR that shoots in eight K. Like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it is it, crazy. It's just like so intense, but I think that's the right way to think about it. I love hearing and asking people, what is stand up the vehicle for yeah because there's so many people you meet that like they're not in stand-up for stand-up no they're in it for something else altogether. i want to be on a tv show i want to yeah and i don't want that i stand-up is my main the thing that i love the most and the other two things like i love youtube and making the videos and the analytics i'm an analytics nerd and all that stuff i love the podcast because i get to have conversations with interesting people right but it's like all of this is all ultimately a commercial for you leaving your house to come see me do stand up like and that's that because that's the real thrill like i get a lot of joy when i turn my camera on and go to shoot a video i get a lot of joy when i turn the mics on and and sit down for a talk but the ultimate joy is you know being up there and the the, yeah. co- the live connection with the audience and all that and the youtuber thing there are people that i know that are youtubers that do these live tours now that have never done stand-up before right they've never but they performed sell live out. they sell out better than most headlining comics because youtubers have these fan bases that are massive and yeah. rabid i'm part and of them buy the ticket <laughs> so. i'm part of them i like i and i understand that parasocial relationship and mm-hmm. how quickly you can develop that with YouTubers yeah. specifically, especially when they show their face because mm-hmm. VTubers are a whole nother thing yeah. that you can imprint on. But like Danny Gonzalez is one of my all time <laughs> favorite. Great, yeah. I love him yeah. and I love his nonsensical videos, but I feel like I can just put him on and it, it's comforting and mm-hmm. people like game grumps, you know, I've gone to their live showing their yeah. live tapings of game grumps because I like them as people. Right. And their content that they create is just like a vehicle for me to connect with them. Yeah, they're your friend. They're your friend. I don't want to say that loud because it sounds pathetic, but it's like you do develop those feelings Mm -hmm. for these people when you spend so much time listening to them. And years growing with them. Yes. something you don't really get with PewDiePie. Like, (laughs) I know I I say him because I watched him. He was one of the first like YouTubers I followed regularly Mm -hmm. from a very young age all through college and now he's having a baby and it's like fucking weird to be like so involved in someone's life that he has no idea exists yeah 
I get that with K-pop a lot too. You know, it's this mind fuck because in that they take it even a step further. I can text my K-pop idols. Mm -hmm. There's systems where I can pay into to communicate (laughs) with them daily. Yeah, yeah. How can I not develop feelings? But I think you're doing everything right. I think you have the talent, the charisma, you're a likable person and that it's just a matter of lightning striking in the right place because you have it. I agree. Because some people don't. Right. You meet people that you're like, Give it up, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> no, oof. I. Well, oof. I, oof. There's some people I've told Alina. I'm like, if we become, because I think this town will make you bitter. Oh yeah. I think it's easy. I've already seen it in some yeah. people where it's like, I run a fucking open mic for free. I'm not getting paid on Wednesdays. Right. Yeah. This is. This and is people cool. scream at me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's no booker here. Yeah. The owner Shut isn't the even here. Yeah. <laughs> and you're acting like this isn't going to make or break your career. Yeah. It's a nightmare. And yeah, I hate I'm, that you I'm, have to show up early. I, you know, I would much <laughs> rather everyone get so mad that they stop coming and it's just us and our friends. Right. <laughs> just the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, I, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a living, breathing organism, that this whole thing. And it, it's, sometimes it's sick, sometimes it's healthy, and sometimes it's... <sighs> it's whole thing but i appreciate what you said uh there and i also feel the same towards you that like i remember seeing you the first time oh like like do like i I don't know if you were i'm pretty sure you were you were hosting at that point but you did like oh it was like you did a set with somebody else Uh, yeah you and evan Evan oh and i just remember being like oh this is fun and what 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 yeah and then from there to like now having seen even just that short amount of time, I'm like, oh, she's like five, mu- five X multiplied her skill. Yes. Like, like you're clearly, cause you're in the fun part right now that yeah. may not seem like the fun part, but you're growing. Yes. Cause you've got so much room to grow. The growth is exponential Thank as opposed you. to like, if you're 10 years in it's minor tweaks. Now yeah. it's leaps of yes. like, oh shit, I figured out how to say this, how I want to say it. Yeah. Oh shit. And then it's like, you can see the progress. Thank but you. I'm seeing a lot of progress and that's why I invited you on the show. I don't invite fucking losers on the show. I, the this is such an honor because I do also listen to your podcast and I admire you and I know you're very talented. So I, f- I don't take this lightly and I hope so. I hope that people see the growth because I think that you said that like that point of view is still, str- is still a struggle for me because mm-hmm. I'm still discovering myself. I feel like yeah. in the last four years, my brain has broken twice and been rebuilt. Yes, exactly. And then right now I'm going through a whole like identity crisis with what's going on with my dad. And mm-hmm. so I am still like struggling to figure out what my voice is on stage and yeah. who I am. And, and so really right now it's just the pure joy of like being on stage and facilitating it. And that's why Alina is really a great co-host because She's been writing sketch for almost 15 years mm-hmm. in New York. So she's very much like a writer mindset. But yeah. stand-up's new for her, too. Yeah. So we get to, like, take our training wheels off together. Like, we get to, like, kind of do the stand-up thing together, which makes it so much easier. And she can push me, and I can push her. She can be like, you should take a clown class because you're too con- you're too constricted on stage. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I felt that. 
Yeah. And I took a clown class and I'm so excited for our next show because it's going to be so unhinged. Like right. <laughs> now, like you said, we're yeah. in the fun part, right? So me and Alina have figured out our dynamic and figured mm-hmm. out how we own our own space. So now we get to just fuck around and play. Yeah. And that's where like stuffed cabbages come in and like been able to do our own show. And, yeah. and like, it's so weird how quickly the cycle re- starts over yeah because like we only have been hosting for maybe like eight months at mm-hmm. glendale room like really not that long of a time we've only had our show at glendale for like three months now or, yeah but like other people who are brand new to the la scene like literally months in are like copying what we're doing yeah and we're like whoa that <laughs> happens very quickly we <laughs> like, must be on to something yeah we must be doing yeah. some good stuff and yeah and uh, like Alina's ultimate goal is to be like a TV writer, mm-hmm. like, and I totally see that for her. And she's gotten onto sketch teams here, like all those things. I don't want to write for TV. I don't yeah. even. The only time I want to be on TV is if it's my own stand-up special. There you go. Yeah, that's <laughs> the only. I was gonna ask what's your yeah, but that's yeah. That's, yeah. I my goal is to be an international stand-up. I want to be go. able to go all over the world and do stand-up like i find other countries stand up so fascinating compared to the united states western is, culture yeah. like even australia you oh, know yeah. like, it's wild i want to go to australia for a few years and do their scene you know like mm-hmm. i want to figure it out like that and even if i could get to a level where like i don't know i think about comics who transcend language mm-hmm. like mr bean yeah. <laughs> or Jack Black. Yeah. I think he's like current day. Like Jack Black is loved universally. Yeah. You just look at him and it's like, oh, I get it. He's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like that, but I also would like to be funny in a different language. Yeah. Like I think that's the next hard thing to do is like be a native English speaker and be able to speak Chinese and be a funny stand up. Yeah. In Chinese. Like, has that ever been done before? Not anyone I can name. Yeah. And so I that's my like final frontier, which I it love it. is <laughs> in my mind at least ten years down the road. It's a ways off, but yeah. you know, at least you've got a at least you've you've got an idea of it. Well Yes. That's great. I'm a big fan of that. I think going around the world and spreading kindness and, and, and <laughs> laughter is beautiful. Now, uh, Miss as, America, as, right? <laughs> as we're wrapping up here, um, two things real quick. <laughs> you, you, I'm only, I, I, we kind of completely oh. organically didn't even talk about it, but you did bring it up recently. Uh, just very briefly, do you want to, <laughs> in your own words, very, very briefly, what's going on with your dad? Oh, yes. Very briefly, allegedly. Uh, no, most of this is like fact. Uh, mm-hmm. it's just, he decided to stop taking his medication mm-hmm. and spun off the rails like last December. Mm-hmm. Um, I stopped talking to him in November and then it just like progressed to a point where like my mom and sisters had to flee mm-hmm. and now we're in like a safe space. Um, but we're actively like he violated a protective order. That's what the court case is. Mm-hmm. And that's just one of his many court cases. Yeah. Like when my mom and sisters left our childhood home, uh, he just continued to commit crimes because mm-hmm. 
nobody cared nobody yeah. cared that he was like unhinged mm-hmm. work like people at work were calling the va calling the cops calling hospitals nobody would intervene to yeah. the point where it it escalated to where he tried to physically harm my sisters and my mom mm-hmm. and that's where he went to jail mm. and we suspect now like hard drugs were involved mm-hmm. because we found a journal so when my dad went into jail that's when we had access to our childhood home for the first time in like months yeah and it was fucking trashed yeah. he had had like meth heads living in there with him we suspect he was doing meth because we found a journal of a woman who was living there and she was documenting everything that they were doing, mm-hmm. including meth. Yeah. And so that like on top of his mental issues, doing any sort of drug would like progress that right. to be even more severe. So, yeah. Right. And that's where like my mom found the bombs mm-hmm. that he had built. So basically what he had done is put barrels in the house in strategic places with books of my mom's and my sister's bullets and gasoline. So then if cops came in or he anything, he would just light them and it would just like be wow. like a pipe bomb. So it's, yeah, that's like you see in the movies. Yes. Where it's like rather than you get my data, we just blow the whole thing Yes. Up. It wow. was, yeah. And that basically the cops, like when my mom and sisters were like, we're going to flee, they were mm-hmm. like, great, great choice because a family in Enoch had just been murdered by the dad yeah similar situation and uh so then the cops are like flee when you're ready to go back we'll escort you into the home so you can get your things so my mom and sisters left with like hardly anything even medications they left yeah and the cops were like hey so we have intel that says that there's bombs in the house and my dad had cut through the gun safe and gotten all of his guns out too Mm -hmm. and so they're like so we're not gonna fuck with it yeah and it's like what (laughs) you want to hear the funniest part though it's heavy yeah it's very heavy none of that was funny but there's there's some funny in this okay Uh the funniest part is when my dad tried to hurt my mom and sisters he called on himself he called the police and was like they tried to hurt me and uh, Mm -hmm. they were like what you know like so the cops show up he just outs himself. He basically tells the truth and tells them exactly what he did. Yeah. And they're like, okay, so you violated the protective order. And he was like, yes. Yeah. They have the body cam footage. They made him sign a statement right there. <laughs> and then yeah, this- they brought, so years ago when my dad was still stable, he had an issue with a local police officer mm-hmm. for another reason. Yeah. Cause my dad, it's not the first time. Yeah. My dad was in a gang at one point. So, like, we have tons of stuff. If you want to invite me back and tell yeah, you Yeah, we'll about, have to do a part two. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was a bar back at, like, 13 because I was at a clubhouse uh-huh. serving a motorcycle gang. <laughs> Jesus God. Yeah, but uh, the funny thing is he was, like, this cop and him had an interaction. He remembered that cop from that day forward. Mm-hmm. And so every time they had issues with the cops recently, he was like, I don't care that the cops are here as long as it's not this one cop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When they went to arrest him, they called that, that cop to guy. arrest my dad. Wow. And he showed up to arrest him. Yeah. And he's like, remember me? <laughs> it's like a movie. It is. Oh. I was like, oh, sweet, sweet vengeance. Wow. But it's like not even just the shit with my dad. It's like my dad's parents my grandparents mm-hmm. i almost said former grandparents yeah yeah. they're suing us uh-huh. 
trying wow. to say that we damaged the house uh-huh while he was <sighs> i mean for fuck's sake yes yeah i th- th- Isn't, and this is my priest grandfather right <laughs> We are living in the dumbest time in yeah. history. Yeah. Everyone's a grifter. Everyone's. Yes. Which, of course, we will say all of this alleged. Alleged. Uh, there's a, a, a alleged uh, speculatory. This is all my opinion and yes. perspective. Chance has nothing to do with it, and it's neither does this <laughs> podcast. We are here for a good time and a good time only, and we will have you back on to discuss, uh, do a deep dive into any and all alleged suspicious activities that may or may not be perpetuated by people in your life. Yes. So let's end the show how we always end the show. Uh, I always ask one final question, and uh, as someone who's listened, (laughs) you may know what I'm going to say. If you could go back in time to one moment in your life where you felt your most lost, your most sort of directionless. I always say it's like you're hiking up a mountain and the map got blown out of your hands. If you could rip a portal in space and time and stick your head through it, just like the Flash in this movie, and stick your head through the portal and shout out a piece of advice just concisely to yourself who's struggling to motivate her to keep going, what would you say? Dang, wish I had thought about this. Everyone always does. You know, did you see that movie yet the The flash Flash? yeah okay i didn't want to see it Uh because of everything with ezra but i went with friends yeah and the whole time i'm watching it i was like this would be my dynamic with myself Mm. like i would be so annoyed with my younger self i would be like you're so fucking stupid let me finish a sentence (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. like that so i think i would say breathe don't be so hard on yourself it's all gonna work out keep going like that's that's some solid advice i would have to say yeah uh and we all could use some of that right now folks wherever you are wherever you're consuming this show i hope you're breathing and i hope you're feeling good about life in general and if you're not well <laughs> do something to fix it uh, uh bethany thank you for coming on to the show uh Cheers. where can people find you on social media since i'm changing my last name it's now thought lord bethany on everything so that'll be in the description of the episode yes or you can uh stuffed cabbage online that's my monthly show our next one is america themed and i'm gonna be eating a cabbage with alina on stage dressed as uncle sam and when is this show and where and where july 3rd at the glendale room in the jewel city at 9 p.m. That's absolutely right. Uh, go get those tickets. And uh, yeah, that'll be that. And folks, thank you so much for listening to the show. As always, please give the show a follow at We Didn't Peak on Instagram. Like us on Facebook, We Didn't Peak with Chance Nichols. It's the only one on there I have checked. And follow me on all forms of social media. Subscribe to everything I got going on. At Chance is loud on everything. All right, that's it. Goodbye.